get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us in the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. A Super Bowl jam, Kerry Davis is next door. He does a hit at Casey every morning, so he's mm-hmm. talking to AD and, and Jenna over there. But he'll be back. If you're he watching on, on the YouTube, he'll be here in a minute. You'll see him bust right through the door yes, and come he in here. And he has his coffee ready to go, too. Yeah, he's a somewhat happy guy today because his Hazelwood Central Hawks won, but Steelers are not looking great. What's going Steelers. on yeah. over there with the Steelers? Um, I guess we'll talk to him about that later. Let's, let's hold off good. on that. Yeah. No? Uh, the Cardinal season is over, and uh, Sporting KC falls to St. Louis City SC. Well, that's what uh, I just wanted to say. Sporting KC loses again. Uh, St. Louis City SC. <laughs> Is your Western Conference champions? Yes. In MLS in their inaugural year. Congratulations to City SC. We'll be talking about them today. And Adam Wainwright's career concludes yesterday with one final at bat and a glorious career for the Cardinals with um, being a member of a couple of world championship teams, closed out the NLCS in 06, closed out the World Series in 06, pitched in the World Series in 2013, uh, was a top five Cy Young Award finalist, uh, top three four different times and one of the great players in the history of the Cardinals and it was great to see him go out the way he did showered with affection in his last weekend it was so many great moments I like how we all went to a different game so we all got to see kind of the different versions mm-hmm. of the Wayno celebration like Carrie you went on Friday I did so you saw the blowout on the bad yeah. side for the Cardinals yeah. and then I went on Saturday saw the good side of the blowout and then they had the concert and then Randy you went on Sunday for the, the ceremonies and it just was a great weekend celebrating Wayno it's like for a a little bit you forgot about what happened this season with the Cardinals but I think it was just a great way to send things off and having Yachty surprise Adam Wainwright that was the highlight of the weekend for me I mean he he was talking about in the postgame Adam Wainwright was that he didn't know mm-hmm. that Yachty was coming and he thought that Yachty was kind of big leaguing him essentially because <laughs> he was like why is he not answering any of my calls and texts and then he talked about afterwards he realized <laughs> that Yachty would have given it away if he gotten on the phone with him which I could totally see that where we're going to be like, oh, so what are you doing this weekend? And you'd be like, uh, uh nothing. <laughs> Definitely not in St. Louis this weekend or anything like that. Yeah. So I thought that that was really well done. Having Albert there, too, it was just a beautiful send off. And there are a lot of things that went wrong for the Cardinals on the field this year. But on the other side of things, the Cardinals do everything like that so well, whether it's last year's ceremony with Yachty and and Albert or this ceremony or opening day or big events 
honoring people and staging big events is their specialty. They, the the non-baseball side of things with the Cardinals is pristine. They're fantastic. Yeah, I think, you know, the season didn't go as expected, but I think the Cardinals always do a great job of making sure, especially their 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 legends, the guys that are have have are going to be on that wall that numbers are going to be retired. They make sure that they know how well they are loved, how much they are respected from the fan side and from the uh from the organization side. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it was just a, a great weekend having everybody in. And on Saturday, our, the big league impact box is right next to some of the former players. Mm-hmm. So seeing Chris Carpenter there, Ted Simmons there. I mean, so many legends coming in. And that's what makes the Cardinals so great. The best fans in baseball. And then yeah. also having all these players come back that have meant so much to this organization mm-hmm. shows about how, men, how many people just care about the Cardinals. And the Cardinals do win yesterday by a score of 4-3. to three. Uh, they they won. They, <laughs> you leave it there. Yeah. So it, it was such an anticlimactic end to the season because the season was really over by the All-Star break. Yeah. And yesterday it just became official. And they, they've got a ton of work to do with the players that they have on hand and the players that uh, hopefully show up. But the Cardinals finished 71-91, and 91, their worst season since 1990. Whew. And... It's uh, it's really remarkable how bad this franchise of a year this franchise had because this franchise is not used to having years like this. No, I, I think that that's a that's a good way to put it. I mean, this has been. Just a terrible season all around. Probably the worst season since I came here in St. Louis, and I was there for when Mike Matheny got fired. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a terrible season. And then to see just the way that everything played out, they could never get their footing just even starting out of the gate. And it was really frustrating because you know that there is talent. I know that's weird to say when you talk about the final of how they finish out this season, that there is talent. This is a talented group. It was just frustrating to see it not all come together on the field. All right, let's talk about Adam Wainwright. He did get one final at bat yesterday. He was actually up in the booth, as you mentioned, Brooke. He was uh, in the booth with his former teammates and his family and his new puppy, Louie. And then he took the golf cart back down. And how did a a final at bat happen? I was sitting right here. I was signing a jersey to one of our teammates. And uh, Ollie comes in and says, hey, I don't know what the next two days hold. Let's do it right now. You know, so I said, like, you mean like right right now? And he was like, yeah, right now. And I was on, I was like up to bat. So that was pretty neat. Yeah, that's probably one of the m- most fun feelings I've ever had. I mean, I wish we were winning the game, obviously, but um, that just brings back, you know, I, I miss doing that. I never thought I'd be able to do it again, so it was neat to do it. And that, of course, was from Friday night. Yesterday, he got to get to the plate again. souvenir a foul ball off the bat of Adam Wainwright in his last big league game and he stays alive 0-2 a swing and a miss 
So you had the at-bat, you had the pregame ceremony, you had all of that time that you got to spend with your former teammates and your former manager, Tony La Russa, and Whitey Herzog was also up in the box. Quite an emotional roller coaster for Adam yesterday. I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely, completely drained in a good way. You know, it's just um, beyond uh, anything I could have ever expected. You know, I mean, watching Yachty and Albert send off last year I thought man that is so they are so deserving of that and I was so proud that they got to share that together um I would have never thought in a million years that I would get anything like that I just you know taken aback very honored very um I feel just as blessed as I've ever felt in my whole life so yeah I just kept I kept looking at Steven and I go are you sick of me yet man I'm I'm kind of sick of me right now like uh but, but you know what I'll I'll remember these three days for the rest of my life. Pretty cool. Very cool. Good for him. It was. And once again, well done by the Cardinals on sending him off properly, having Albert and Yachty there. And also, too, the fact that they he told this story, remember, about Big League Impact, $100,000 the Cardinals donated to the Honduras Project Mm -hmm. and for safe water. So I thought that was really good. I It was just such a great weekend, guys. But this season was terrible. But to have it end in that way, sending off Adam Wainwright, I mean, what an incredible and just memorable career that he's had here in St. Louis. And he represented the birds on the bat, not just in the Cardinals in that way, but also off the field, everything that he's done with Big League Impact. Yeah, just a great man, great Great career. Um, I'm sure he would have wished to be playing in October mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more than anything. I know the, the send-off was great, but I, I think the better send-off would have been winning a championship. I, I, I'm certain that he would say that. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. This team was not good from the beginning. It just struggled throughout the season in different parts, different different groups taking their turn and not being good at their at their particular position. Um, and, and that's what happens. And so hopefully, you know, for 2024 – there is some some shakeup. There are some shifts. There are some things that that happen on this lineup, in this lineup, and in this starting rotation, uh, in the bullpen. It, it has to get better for twenty four. Okay, let's touch on SC. Uh, an impressive win over Sporting KC on Saturday night at City Park. A nil nil draw until the seventy third minute when City SC exploded. Found and he goes down. Push the back by Nimbe. It's going to be another set piece. It's a super header from Sam Adinaran. Super header from Sam Adinaran. Oh, oh, oh. Very nice. Yeah. I told you, you guys Friday. Sam, you called yeah. it Adinaran goal. Yeah. yeah. yeah you did. So, That's eight goals for him this season. Amazing. Ten for Klaus. Yeah. And, right? Yeah. A 1-0 lead in the 73rd minute. It's, it's been a long time since anybody has tallied a, a goal. But then two minutes after that. And Adinaran, Rosero. And he flicks it out, and the ball back for Klaus! 3-0! It's raining goals at City Park! Number one in the West, with an exclamation point tonight! It's raining goals. (laughs) So you had a dinner on in the 73rd, Stroud in the 75th, Klaus in the 80th, and then Klaus again in the 85th. So you had four tallies in 12 minutes. For mm-hmm. your St. Louis City SC squad side, that now, by the way, is headed to the playoffs as the number one seed in the Western Conference. Throw. Very nice. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. And I was going to talk about that later on, but I mean, for them to be able to do this, the first expansion team in MLS history to be able to accomplish this in their first season, their inaugural season, 
I mean, guys, I know that a lot of people didn't predict this happening outside of St. Louis, but I mean, they talked about all weekend. Carnell did, Roman Berkey, even Adiniron. They Adiniron talked about how they literally have printed off in their locker room basically the predictions of what people <laughs> thought they were going to do this season, bulletin board material. Because yeah. guess what? Everybody else might not have predicted this, but with everything that they built internally inside, all the pieces they put together, it wasn't hard to see that they were going to accomplish something big this season. And They've made history, but it's continuing to be written for them. And now they played uh, Van Blanking Coover on, on Wednesday <laughs> evening. But uh, everything is settled now for them. There's, there's not an awful lot to play for, but I'm sure that uh, Bradley Carnell would like to sharpen them, them up. Mizzou with a 38-21 win over Vander, Vanderbilt on Saturday. Tigers still ranked 23rd in the country. Purdue and uh, their former uh, Illinois former defensive coordinator uh, Ryan Walters they take care of Illinois forty four nineteen. Kerry is just shaking his head. Man, listen, not great. I this is the thing. I, I am I am a realistic person. I, I I don't sugarcoat things. I don't tell lies. I I said last year was an outstanding year. It was di- it was difficult because we didn't finish in the manner in which we should have. We should have been playing in the Big Ten Championship game. We lost three games that we shouldn't have lost. And, and, and everyone came in with this such excitement. Oh, we're going to be – no, we're not. Your best player in Chase Brown went to the NFL. Your entire secondary is playing on Sundays now. And one it's- of them is a first-round pick. One of them is a the, yes. It's not no one. You're, you got a new quarterback. It, you, uh, the offensive line is still there, but the person that you handed the ball off to 30, 40 times a game isn't there. And your defensive coordinator is gone. And the defensive coordinator is gone. And this is where we are. We lost forty-four to nineteen to Purdue Boilermakers. Eh, not great. We'll talk during the course of the show about NFL Week 4, but the Dolphins didn't score 70 this week. They did allow 48. <laughs> Bills over the Dolphins, 48-20. to 20. And last night, the Chiefs held off the Jets 23-20. to 20. At the end of the game, I don't know if you saw this early this morning, but Patrick Mahomes went down, took a knee at the two-yard line rather than scoring a touchdown that would have put the Chiefs ahead by 10. Chiefs were an eight-point favorite. Ooh. So a lot of money changed hands when Patrick Mahomes decided just to let the clock run and and run it out. A lot of money changed hands. The thing is, we as players, I I never paid attention. I had no clue what the the line was, who was favored by how many points, what the over-under, who didn't care. Just wanted to win the game. And I'm sure Patrick Mahomes was like, hey, get down, take a knee, slide, end the game, win the game. And uh, the Bears are a disaster, and... Even though they uh, won, well, it, disaster bowl, uh, the the Chargers over the Raiders. I called it the toilet bowl. It was bad. The Bears and the Broncos. That one. Uh, well, I think which Bron- was worse? I think the Broncos at least have a chance to get better because they were down twenty eight to seven <laughs> to the worst team in the league. But at least they have a, co- a coach that's won a Super Bowl that has a clue. The defense. I don't know what happened from last year to this year. Uh, they, oh, they, yeah. well, that's a great question because yeah, what in the world did change? Yeah, they, you I, traded Bradley Chubb. They, they got a lot of the same pieces, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, they stink. Yeah they're, yeah, they're bad, but at least they have a chance. The Bears are uh, Matt Eberflus. I'm not going to say. I think he's going to pop up out of nowhere. Because it's stupid for me to say I could do a better job. Kerry, you would be so much better than Matt Eberflus. It's tough to watch. To have a 28-7 to lead, to lose that game in the manner in which the Bears did, I don't know. Justin Fields played pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't, so I don't know where you go or what the problem is with that team. They they stink. Well, and That's now, the best way to put it. Chase Claypool 
is told to stay home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Eberflew says, no, it was a game-time decision. It was his choice. The PR staff says he was told to stay home. Just tell the truth. That's pretty simple. Tell the truth. Right? He, he's not. You've seen Chase Claypool's career mm-hmm. since his time yeah. in, the pit, in, 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 in Pittsburgh with the Steelers till now. He's not as as good of a player as I think most people expected him to be. Maybe it's because of work ethic. Maybe it's because of inability to understand what's going on. Maybe it's because it's about him, which is what he showed against the Vikings when he celebrated the first down and they needed to clock the ball. I, I don't know what it is. But, yeah, stay home. Get away. If you're not good enough or if you're not taking care of your business, yeah, I, I wouldn't want you around. And he, by the way, it's easy for me to sit here and say that Matt Eberflus is terrible. Well, their general manager traded a number one for Chase Claypool, who's told to stay home. Wow. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> Here's what we loved about the weekend. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, 101 ESPN. What are you laughing I don't know why. I thought you were going to say, here's the Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> it did kind of sound like that, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, look, hey, Johnny Carson? Yeah, back in the 80s, okay. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Uh, there is so much to love about the weekend, but uh, one of the cool things that I loved about this weekend. Number two. Is that... Luther Burden has turned out to be everything that we expected him to be when he was recruited as the top player in the country. As a sophomore right now, he leads the nation in receiving yards with 644. He's second in receptions with 43. And there's only seven players in America with more touchdowns than Luther Burden. He has emerged as one of the best football players in college football player. And it was so fun to see him when he needed to step up and turn it on against Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt. He's a guy that can win a game for you. And I'll be really interested to see how he performs against the really good teams. I have no reason to believe that he's not one of the best players in the country. Is there a player, is there a team in the country that Luther Burden wouldn't be starting for? I don't think so. I think he's, he's been playing extremely well, cleaned up some of the things that uh, I thought were hindering him last year. Just not, you know, being quite as effective in his route Mm -hmm. running. That's what a younger player yeah, you coming out of high school, you don't have all of the development, all of the skills that are needed to to get open uh, and make plays at, at the collegiate level. I think he's done a great job. They're doing a better job putting him in a slot, moving him around, targeting him. You know, he's getting a lot of targets, so you're going to get a lot of catches. I think he's doing great, though. And we all know, we knew coming into his collegiate career when he gets the ball in his hands, how explosive mm-hmm. he is. He's still showing that explosiveness. It's, it's really fun to watch. He's pretty darn cool he's uh, it's fun to have him on our side yes I mean Luther Burden is a incredible talent just seeing him when he was at East St. Louis you know the, it, you always see those players at high school games and it's like okay this person's going to be able he's to different. play he's yeah. oh my god he was so different at that level and East St. Louis always has a very very talented team team sunk it the way that he has built things over there with that program they're always really good and so for Luther to stand out in that way I think says a lot but then you wonder how that's going to transfer into college but the way that he's grown into his own this season when there was a lot of concerns about what this offense would look at like without Dominic Lovett I mean no worries about that whatsoever anymore my number two thing guys is going to be number two that was my best impression number two, <laughs> number two. 
Number two is going to be City SC. So we were talking about this earlier, but um, just the fact that they were able to win against Sporting KC this weekend, they were able to win the match four to one in a very dominant fashion. But then with LAFC falling to Real Salt Lake this past weekend, that is what clinched City SC, the Western Conference crown, as well as home field advantage for throughout the playoffs. They're the first expansion club to earn the number one seed in their conference in their inaugural season season ever. I was telling you guys that they keep making history in their inaugural season, but it's not done being written just yet. They're continuing to surprise people. I loved and I talked to you guys about what Samuel Dineron said earlier in his post game comments about they literally have printed off in the locker room what the predictions were for them this season and where they would finish. And it was like 14th. It was 15th. People even had predictions of, you know, how many wins that they would get. And they have surpassed all of those expectations. And I had a little bit of FOMO this weekend. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to be really honest here. If it wasn't Wayno's final weekend, I would have gone over to the City SC game because I kept checking in because it was a blowout on yeah. Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I kept checking in to see what was going on over at the City SC game and just seeing how electric the atmosphere was, seeing just how amped up all the fans were. And somebody already sent this in where you had the, did you guys see this, that you're not in Kansas anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. And just the excitement that has been built around this inaugural club, I'm I mean, hats off to everybody involved, the ownership group with Carolyn Kendall and Kavanaugh and all of them. And then Lutz, everything that he has built, the vision, just being able to come to life here. Bradley Carnell. I mean, I want to run through a brick wall for him. Every time that we talk to him, you can understand how he's able to elevate these men into what they are able to accomplish this season. I'm so proud of City SC and everything they're doing and the fans. And it's just been such an exciting season. I think it would hurt if you tried to run through a brick wall. Probably, uh, but Cardinal would give me the confidence yeah, to do, do so. Walk, walk on fire. How about that? I, I, I don't know. That's, <laughs> I had a coach in a meeting run into a wall. He was trying to show us how. <laughs> it didn't go well, huh? No, he was crazy. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, my number two, as much as it, it, it pains me to say this, C.J. Stroud is really good. He's really good. He's really good at football. He and the Houston Texans beat up on the Pittsburgh Steelers over the weekend, uh, 30-6, to and he had another another good game, 300-plus yards, 308 yards, two touchdowns. He is fourth in the league right now in, in passing yards as a rookie, a guy that we talked about Will Levis a lot. We talked about Bryce Young a lot. People were kind of, eh, C.J. Stroud, okay, yeah. We, but Bryce Young was the one that everyone, I think, thought would be where he is right now. C.J. Stroud is playing at a high level, an elite level, and he has zero interceptions. The most important part of that stat for me is the the zero interceptions. Fourth in passing, six touchdown passes, winning games, beating the 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 Jacksonville Jaguars last year, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers at home this week last last this week, week, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers at home yesterday. It's been it's been really fun to watch this young man. And and hats off to D'Amico Ryans because he has that team playing extremely well. That was my biggest surprise, biggest biggest shock of the weekend because I did not expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to look that bad, but he looked really good. I thought he would be under duress, and he wasn't. He looks really good. And just real quick, does that also kind of throw back? Remember the whole to-do about the cognition test with yeah. C.J. Stroud? Yeah. What does that look like yeah. now in this conversation? Nobody. Yeah. It doesn't, it, does it tell me when a linebacker's blitzing, I know where to throw the ball? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to know. Number one. All right, I've got Kona. 
number ones, as you guys know, we determined this with Greg Ramsinger. Part of my job during the course of the offseason is to provide good nicknames for the Cardinals. And I have my no, first. No, Can we point a parliamentary procedure? Yes. Um, he told us after we gave him an example of some of the nicknames, he expressly told you not to do this. Well, here's the thing. So I sent him a text with uh, my first nickname. Okay. Okay. And I got a text back. I'm sure from... he was really happy about that. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, I'm always thinking, guys. I'm always thinking. Um, and my, re- my the response was, now that is a solid nickname. Okay. Oh, What'd you get? Okay. Okay. So we're, we're started. Uh, the Cardinal shortstop, Mason Wynn. We know he has a good arm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to Kingwood, Texas High School. He shall heretofore be known as the Kingwood Cannon. Oh, oh. I like that. Okay, and yeah. You, 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 you can use it both. You can use it for the, how hard he hits okay. the ball like a cannon or how he throws it like King the, King, the Kingwood Cannon. I like oh, that. Okay. Mason Win. All right, like I'm okay that. with that. But, uh, you know, I always love seeing, uh, uh, you know, I didn't realize it when he was playing. I didn't realize, didn't appreciate it till he was gone. That uh, Chris Carpenter is one of my all-time favorite Cardinals, and it was great to see him in town yesterday. Telling when, when asked, "Hey, what are you doing for the Angels?" I'm teaching pitchers how to pitch. There's a lot of throwers, and I'm teaching pitchers how to pitch. Mm. Pretty, pretty interesting thought process. But then to have him be one of the people that goes up to the podium to honor Adam Wainwright, because it really doesn't matter what happens out here. It's important. It's important for our fans. It's important for our organization. And I love this Cardinals nation. I love this community. But we talk about mentoring. You hear about all the great things that he's done on the field. But the most important thing is the type of human he is. He continued to invest in me without me even knowing it. And on April 14th, 2010, I showed up in the clubhouse with a Bible sitting on my chair. In my locker. It changed my life. Adam Wainwright literally changed Chris Carpenter's life. How many lives has he changed? He told us the story. Uh, Brooke, I think it was actually at the the uh, fantasy football <laughs> get-together yeah, where he told the story about Mauricio Dubon. And mm-hmm. yesterday in the ceremony, before the ceremony, they had co-interviews with Adam with his side of the story and Dubon with his side of the story. And Dubon, his home country, was helped by Adam's water project. Think of the, the thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people that Adam Wainwright has impacted with his work off the field. Yes, and that's that's the biggest thing, right? And Adam Wainwright has talked about this so much of using his platform for good and just hearing those stories this past weekend. And you know some of the stories, but this past weekend of even Ollie Marmal talked about how Adam Wainwright really helped him and his wife on their spiritual journey too. So it seems like he's helped a lot of people in that regard. And then with Big League Impact, the impact that they have literally made on this earth, I think says a lot about Adam Wainwright and his legacy. And I'm going to tweet the, the, the entire story about Chris Carpenter getting that Bible from yeah. Adam Wainwright is uh, it's it's on the interwebs and I will I'll share that with my Twitter right or X, X. Uh, on Twitter X. I'll, yes. I'll share formerly it on my, my X machine right now. Can we call it that the app formerly known as Twitter? Yeah, I think I that's like what that. they do on ESPN. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah, that's better. Like Prince. Yeah. Yeah, do that. yeah, my number one thing, guys, is seeing all of the gifts that Adam Wainwright got this past weekend, and, and rightfully so. Getting that guitar that was really cool. You mentioned the donation that you were talking about, 100000 um, to 
um, Big League Impact and really helping with water. And then Build With the Third painting. Amazing. That was, I didn't know that that was even possible, but I that is fantastic. Um, but just seeing Adam Wainwright get all those gifts this past week, and he, he talked about that too. A lot of planning went into some of these gifts and, and this weekend. And, and uh, I just, I mean, I just feel so undeserving. You know, I just feel like I'm just like that should have been going to somewhere else. You know, someone else who was, uh, I don't know. I just just didn't, I just never thought I would have gotten that. But, um, man, it's hard to put into words. And my favorite gift of all, guys, was when his wife, Jenny, came out and surprised him with their new puppy, Louie. So congratulations to Adam Wainwright. I also do think it's a little convenient that he is going to start his broadcasting uh, this week. And so he will get to avoid a lot of the puppy growing pains that <laughs> that we all know and love and hate it sometimes. But um, he's been talking about that for years now, is that when he would finally retire, that his kids would get the puppy that they have been wanting. So now to see them get the puppy puppy and it's named Louie. That was just a perfect kind of cherry on top moment for me. My number one is uh, same thing. I mean, just watching the entire weekend of the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright, just his whole weekend, weekend with Wayno, just sending him off in the right way. He talked mm-hmm. about it. He didn't expect anything like that. He saw what Albert and, and Yachty got last year, how amazing it was for them to go out in that fashion. And he went out in similar fashion. He's going to be on that wall soon enough. And, you know, I think it's just it's just a, a, a testament to a guy that has worked his butt off his entire career, got to 200 despite all of the, the naysayers that didn't think it would happen. I'm sure he had some some doubts in his mind because of how he was pitching at one point. Uh, but it, it was a it was a great weekend for him. It was a great weekend. I think it was a great weekend for the Cardinals to send him off in that way. And you you just have to really be excited about, you know, seeing that now. Hopefully they can they can push us forward to having a better season next yes. year uh, as, as opposed to the highlight of the scene, season being Wayno and his 200 and sending them off. Gary, you you were talking about that, but he said that he is predicting that he will be in the stadium, Bush Stadium, to see the confetti basically hit the field for the World Series. I think a lot of people want that. I hope so. That's what we loved about the weekend. Coming up, four downs from NFL Week 4 on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for four downs from the National Football League. First down. Guys, last night, 
Patrick Mahomes became the fastest quarterback in NFL history to 200 touchdown passes with 84 games. Last week, he became the fastest to 25,000 yards. He did it in 83 games. His history in his first six years, uh, his record in his first six years in the NFL is better than anybody else's. I think we can safely say that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the history of the National Football League. Can we say it now? Yep. I, I, nah, I still want to hold off. I, I think he eventually will be. I mean, but when I think of, the, for me, I know some people say Tom Brady is the GOAT. Peyton Manning, for yes. me, is the GOAT. Yes. He, he, you know, they only won one when he was in Indianapolis, won one in Denver. But when he was in Indianapolis, he just... The way he ran offense was a thing of beauty. But look at the way Mahomes does it. And that's why, they, and, and his numbers, and granted, the league has changed even yes. since Peyton Manning came yep. into the league, right? 1998 to 2020, 2018, they're, they're different, a lot different. But man, he finds a way to win a game. He plays smart, and he makes plays. And I, I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan, too. As a matter of fact, I think if Manning would have been with New England, he would have done what Brady did. Yeah. But the the ability to evade pressure, the ability to make off-platform throws, mm-hmm. the ability to get the ball into the hands of people that weren't that good before, to elevate those around him are all traits that the great ones have. And, and yes, Peyton elevated players around him as well as anybody ever has. But Mahomes is right there. I, I think Mahomes is number one for me. Even when he's not playing at his best, which you kind of saw at times last night, he's still better than every quarterback that I think is out there in the NFL right now. I think that time will tell, and I totally agree. He has all the tools to be one of the best quarterbacks ever, and he's getting pretty close to that mark, I think, where you can go ahead and say that confidently. But the way that he is still able to find a way to win, that's what sets him apart from everybody and how he's even in these conversations. I'm going to go second down. My second down is going to be coaches. And and (laughs) a few coaches that I'm I'm looking at that I think – We'll probably be on the hot seat. We talked about Eberflus earlier this year, earlier this show. Um, he has to be for the Chicago Bears, has to be on that list. Can we talk about Dennis Allen as a head coach? H- how he, st- he, his winning percentage is 304, Randy. 304 <laughs> as a head coach Yikes. in the NFL and still has a job. 56 games coach, 17 <laughs> wins, 39 losses, still a head coach. That to me is absurd. Josh McDaniels. His winning percentage is 375. And still, at some point, we got to be honest about what we're, what we're watching and what we're seeing from these teams. And put Brandon Staley on that list. His winning percentage is a little bit higher. But the decisions that he makes going forward over and over and over again are eventually going to catch up to him as a head coach. And the fact that these guys still carry jobs in the NFL, I'm never one – to to but when you see it for enough time mm-hmm. when you see it enough enough years Dennis Allen hasn't done anything and he's in his second job McDaniel's is is Correct. in his second job which makes it all the more egregious there you go i agree with you 100% and by the way your guy Brandon your guy i say facetious <laughs> Brandon Staley uh he went for it fourth and one with 252 left on his own 35-yard line yesterday. The only reason that they didn't have that game go into overtime, the Raiders and the Chargers, is because their rookie quarterback threw an interception at the goal line. The, the Raiders' rookie quarterback threw an interception yes. at the goal line. That game, game was headed to overtime, overtime only because of the stupidity of Brandon Staley. He continues to make strange, mind-boggling decisions, allowing it to happen. It has worked for him. So I think he kind of—it's like when you do something dumb— 
and you get rewarded for it, mm-hmm. you keep doing dumb yeah, stuff, yeah. eventually it's gonna it's gonna bite you in the butt. Yeah, totally agree. What do you think about Derek Carr in that whole situation with the Saints? I have no idea because I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the Saints are. Exactly. Offensively, yeah. they I don't know what they are. Alvin Kamara came back yesterday, mm-hmm. played pretty well, but I don't know what they are. They they don't have they have all of these weapons, but they don't feel as explosive as amount as the amount of weapons that they have. So yes, I don't I don't yeah. know. I don't know what Derek Carr is. Maybe I thought too much of Derek Carr. Uh, with his time with the Raiders. I thought maybe he would be more explosive, be able to have more explosive plays with all of these players, but it just doesn't feel like they're they're very good. And that's why I think that the offensive play calling comes into question because you do see those weapons. You're like, how is this not able to work whatsoever for the Saints right now? Well, mine, guys, is if you can't tell what I'm wearing today, this is tighten a up. tighten up, tighten up. t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to be annoying and keep talking about the Titans every week, but what a weird weekend it was in the NFL. I mean, you had Mac Jones getting benched and the Patriots, that whole debacle, that was weird and funny this past weekend. The Chiefs and Jets, that was actually a little bit too close for comfort for the Chiefs, but Patrick Mahomes found a way. But you know what is weird, but also in the good category, is my Titans winning and in a dominant <laughs> fashion against the Bengals. 27-3, to three, or the Bengals, as Rocchio said. The what a difference yes what a difference a week makes for the titans and i don't know exactly how to feel because it's definitely an up and down season thus far for the titans but uh pass protection guys i think that that might be a big key for the titans moving forward for Tannehill. Possibly mm-hmm. that that just run the ball. Yeah, there you go. Run the ball, the ball and that Derrick Henry. Let, yes. let Derrick Henry throw touchdowns at the goal line. Like give uh, him the yes. ball. Let, let Malik Willis play. Well, uh, uh, what about Will Levis? Can uh, he run? Mayo boy. Um, but yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's what I was going to say is that the king finally was able to break loose yes. in the game. And I do think that that goes back to pass protection, too, and just being able to have that set up for him. I mean, he tallied a 29 yard touchdown. It felt like very vintage King Henry where he was able to break through. What was it like three different tackles? Yep. And then you mentioned there also had his own touchdown that he threw for. We've seen him do that a couple of times during his stint with the Titans. And it was just an exciting game. He passed the center mark for the first time this season yeah Yeah. and so it was a great game also props to I was very hard on Dillard last week and there's still some things that he needs to clean up on the O-line but still um yeah he'll clean that up but maybe he took those notes from Miles Garrett remember he talked (laughs) about that last week he took those to heart and was able to implement some some of it because it's amazing how much better this Mm -hmm. offense looks when you have a somewhat more functioning offensive line but that leads into my just second question here. Should we be concerned about the Bengals and everything that's going on? Yes. There? Yes. Are we hitting the panic button yes. with them? Yeah, they should shut down Bur- Burrow until he's healthy. He's not healthy. And maybe Jamar Chase was correct. Wait till week five. He should, probably should have. Probably should know. have. Yep. Yeah. Not a bad idea. It doesn't look good. Fourth down. <laughs> Guys, I hate this. I hate to do this. Do you? But there I is, don't know. there's do history you? occurring. I know what this is leading to. Puka Nakua. <laughs> Not only did he break the record yesterday for the most receptions by a rookie receiver in his first four games, in his fourth game, he broke the record for the most receptions by a rookie receiver in his first five games. Yeah. The guy's got 39 catches in his first four games in the NFL, surpassing Anquan's Bolden, old, Anquan Bolden's old record of 30. <laughs> Nakua has 39, Bolden had 30. He also 
And he surpassed Reggie Bush's record. He had 34 in his first five games. Uh, Nakua has 501 receiving yards. Bolnett had 464 in his first four games. The kid is unbelievable. Scores a winning touchdown against the Colts. I hate it when the Rams do good things, but uh, <laughs> taking Puka Nakua in the fifth round was a good thing. He looks like he can really, really play. And they don't even have Cooper Cup yet. Yeah. Uh, he should be coming off the uh, IR potentially this week, and, and we'll see if he's able to practice, able to go, hopefully, for my fantasy team. He <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I don't know how those numbers translate once Cooper Cup gets back because I'm assuming Cooper goes back into his old role and, and gets 12 targets a game. So it may change a little bit. But Who do you cover? I, that, there's a question. There's a good question. I, I don't know. It, it feels when you have that many guys that can get open and catch passes, it's hard. It puts a lot of stress on the defense. So, you know, Cooper coming back will definitely add to that offense, and they're going to be a tough team. They, they are much better – with the, we, I think you and I looked at the list of names on the defensive side. And we're like, one who, we who the hell is the, who are yeah. these guys? Here's <laughs> Aaron Donald and, and the and the defense. And so, but they're winning games and finding ways to win, which is surprising because I didn't think that they would be very good this year. I didn't either. Sean McVay deserves credit. Those are four downs from the NFL. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Carrie, Matthew, Randy, it is the opening drive, 101 ESPN. Time for Take It or Leave It. And this morning on the show that precedes us on ESPN Radio, it's called Unsportsmanlike, and our friend Michelle Smallman is there along with Evan Cohen and Chris Canty. Evan Cohen was talking about what a spectacular drafter Bill Belichick is because he didn't do a particularly great job in drafting Mac Jones at quarterback. But he was talking about how he misses on the number ones, but he's just fantastic with two through seven. Let me give you a couple of uh, names that have been drafted by Bill Belichick since taking Tom Brady in 2000, okay? All right. Uh, let's see. 2002, fourth round, Rohan Davy. 2003, sixth round, Cliff Kingsbury. 2005, seventh round, Matt Castle. 2008, third round, Kevin O'Connell. 2010, seventh round, Zach Robinson. 2011, third round, Ryan Mallett. 2014, second round, Jimmy Garoppolo. 2016, third round, Jacoby Brissett. 2018, seventh round, Danny Etling. 2019, fourth round, Jarrett Stidham. Uh, 2021, uh, first round, Mac Jones. You also had 2022 fourth round, Bailey Zappi. Uh, so take it or leave it. Bill Belichick really does know the quarterback position. <laughs> well, a couple of those guys are coaches, were coaches. Okay, Cliff good. Kingsbury good, and, good. Yeah. and That's O'Connell. what you want when those you are, draft a guy. Are, yeah. <laughs> um, That's what you want. Bailey Zappi is their new starting quarterback, uh, so he's got well, that moment. going for well, what, him. What happened to Mac Jones? Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's going to play anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, he, oh. he got benched. <laughs> There's another you. name on that list. Oh, a few guys. Rohan Davey was really good in, at LSU. He I was, miss that. He was really good. At LSU. Okay, I miss you. 
He I beat us. It's the NFL point. Yeah. Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, they five, beat the six. Hell out of us. Uh, you, uh, let's look at it this way. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. A dozen. Does Jimmy G have a Pro Bowl? I'll give Jimmy G the Pro Bowl. So out of a dozen quarterbacks drafted, you might have one Pro Bowl appearance? I don't know if Jimmy G does. He might have one. Yeah, maybe Maybe. the Super Bowl year. He he was pretty good. Here's the thing. Matt Castle? Matt Castle had one really good year. Okay, maybe two. Uh, But certainly not good enough to stick around. So my point is this, and I'm going to take this too. Uh, Bill Belichick has not been spectacular drafting rounds two through seven. You got Rob Gronkowski, you got Chandler Jones, you got a couple of guys, but there's a lot of teams that have been a lot better than him. You don't want to do your overrated chant? Overrated. <laughs> CD, you don't want to clap for that? Okay, here's the no. thing. Uh, no, did I enjoy yesterday? No, did I Did I want both teams to lose? Yes. But if, if Bill can get swamped by somebody, that's good, because the Cowboys will get theirs next week. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Castle does have a Pro Bowl. Jimmy G does oh, not. Okay, good. There you yeah. go. So it's not... Well, This is is just not a very impressive list. Nah, not really good. Not good. Um, My so Khalil Mack had six sacks yesterday, six by himself. Hmm. The Chargers were playing the Raiders. We were just talking about the the Raiders head coach um, and and Josh McDaniels and how poor they are. Take it or leave it. After the third sack, maybe you want to give them some help. Let's yeah. give the tackle some help. Hey, yeah. three yeah. sacks is more than enough for a day. I would say so. I would and say after so, yeah. the third one, maybe we go on to maybe we set a tackle, a tight end right next to that <laughs> tackle. Maybe we set a tight end next to the tackle and we have a back on that side to tri- to chip him on his way out. Maybe you just don't run the tight end out and you just double team him all day. I, I Maybe you just go to the top and don't trade him in the first place. Let's start there. We didn't think there. That matters. It does. It. Yeah. It's crazy. Some actual blocking might help there. I don't know. I, you would think that maybe you start shifting your game plan a Six little bit. Sacks. That's insane. You, you, you have to be crazy. To drop the quarterback back five to seven step drops, having have, have him sit in the pocket trying to read deep routes with Khalil Mack, who already has two, three, four, five. Oh, we'll keep doing it. How how that that's just pure ignorance. Terrible. Oh, yeah. What is the record for like the most sacks? I think it's six. I think he tied it, it with um, Derek Thomas. Uh, Derek Thomas did have six, but Derek Thomas also holds the record with seven. Oh, okay. Ooh. Sorry if I he messed almost up. Almost got a, there. No, no, you burned. You, you already burned one of them. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, please don't burn another one. <laughs> okay. you stop talking. Ah. Right. He already knows the answer, so you might I well literally, get it out. I literally just changed it to one. You're so stop, stop, stop. I'll stop, I'll stop knowing stuff. Stop knowing stuff. Well, guys, uh, this weekend Mizzou taking care of business, and now they're ranked number 21 today in the AP Top 25. I Good do believe. Yes, congratulations. Yo, you. And I and I. They oh, handled. The very tough Vandy. But you know what else also happened this weekend? Tough Vandy. LSU falling to Ole Miss, which I think we put on our betting slip, right? I don't know. Did we put put that that on there? Did we put that on there? I don't think we had LSU. No, No, I was just imagining that. Did you go across the river? I did not know. Yeah. I was, no, it's I had, fine. A, I had a very long Friday. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, well, I'll wait for my $500. I can't always, <laughs> I can't always make it across. Do not look at me. Look at some guy from Neosho, Missouri, and get after him. Neosho. All right, he's the, he's the problem. Yes. So, uh, anyways, LSU losing this past weekend to Ole Miss. Take it or leave it. Mizzou's going to beat LSU this coming weekend. I'm gonna, uh, it's I'm sold gonna stay out. out of it. It's it's sold out. Leave it. LSU is going to be angry. LSU is yeah. very talented, but is I don't it? think they're. 
I, 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 now I know how why Notre Dame fans feel the way they do about Brian Kelly. To <laughs> 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 my family. Yeah. Um, the I think family it, thing will never just no, uh, cease to amaze me that that actually happens. I, I think this is a game that comes down to the end, and it could come down to the thicker kicker. I, I think it's a really competitive game. LSU fell into a trap game last week preparing for Missouri. So mm. Missouri's going they're gonna be ready for Mizzou. Yeah. By a the trap way, game against Ole Miss? The ranked oh. trap game. Look at the head. They're to like, the where's Luther Burton out here? Yeah. <laughs> Ole Miss might find themselves in the SEC championship game. Mm. Ole Miss is really good. They're really Lane good. Kiffin. Lane Kiffin yep. as yes. for as much as as strange as he may seem. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a damn good football You should ask Tennessee fans mind. about Lane Kiffin. Now, oh, he, Lane yeah. Kiffin loves throwing it back in Tennessee fans' face. Like, I think he just lives for mm. all this working out a little bit better for him. So, Yeah. All right, Matthew, what do we got on the old text line? <laughs> he's coming up with a few questions. Take, take it or leave it. Alana must be very happy that relegation doesn't exist in the Big Ten. Oh, 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 hey, dang. listen. Wow. We're okay. We, we, we're not good at football right now, but we're okay. Yeah, we got other sports. You know, we it's do. football season. Um, we stink. I just I, I, let's just hey, we're not really good right well, now. Well, the coach uh, he needs to get a program what going. He, it's what, one thing. What, to, what, what happened? See, here's, here's the thing. Well, 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 well happened? He, he lost a lot of players. Yeah. Coach Vermeil always brought this to my attention because I'd never heard it in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to have a team. Yeah. But you have to have a program. Yeah. And you have to be able to replace Chase Brown. You have to be able to replace yeah. Witherspoon. You have to have a coach that you can bring up from within to be your defensive coordinator. You have a program so that every single aspect of your program mm-hmm. has replaceable pieces. That's that's why the Rams under Vermeil were able to sustain things even for a few years after he left. I don't think Bielma has a program yet. And the transfer portal help hurts when you're trying to build a program. But what you have to do is when Chase Brown leaves, you have to have a guy to replace him. Hopefully, both Mizzou and Illinois are able to get programs going. I think Mizzou is closer than the Illini are. I mean, when you yeah. see the success that Luther Burton is having right now, that that would leave a young man that, that plays at a school in, at SLU in, in high school, a really good wide receiver, Ryan mm. Winkler. By uh, the way, he didn't take his trip to Colorado over yeah, the weekend. There you go. Good, very good player. Yeah, that, really that good player. If you're having the success that Luther is, it may open some eyes for some local talent to want to stay and, at home. Oh, oh by the way, uh, the, the brand new Luther Burden uh, honey barbecue ranch flavored chips sitting right here, Ryan. So uh, try a couple of these. Yeah, NIL's working here. We're going to talk Gary, a little don't, about NIL. Don't, don't eat one of those. Yeah, I got another okay. question for Let's you. Let's get a couple more. Uh, take it or leave it. The Steelers are the people who need to be tanking for Caleb Williams. Oh, Ooh. take it. Ooh. I, would, Ooh. I, I would love to see him in black and gold. I, I would. I, I, I would. I would love that. I Not don't know. Matt Canada, you don't. No, well, <laughs> Matt Canada won't be there. No. Matt Canada, this was, this is. This is going to be it for him. If he is unable to figure it out offensively, he is. It, it, it won't. It won't. This will be his last season. Yeah, and that's just, that. That just goes with the, the territory of being a professional athlete, being a professional coach. If you don't perform well, you don't have your job. Very We're well. in the results oriented business, yes, aren't sir. we? Yeah. Take one more. Oh, take it or leave it. Zach Wilson showed us a glimpse of what could happen if Robert Sala just takes the training wheels off. You know what? I, 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 it looked to me, tell me if you disagree. It looked to me like maybe Aaron Rodgers said, hey, just let it rip. Just just go ahead and yeah. Sometimes that, that could be. I mean, when you think too much or worry too much, 
I told I was telling Stalter this. We were talking about how the Jets were complaining about you know the quarterback situation, and I said you know they they were probably in meetings at some point. You know, go knock on the door, go knock on the quarterback room door, look inside. Tell me who's in there, and then go sit your butt back down and prepare for the game plan. Because whoever's in that room is who's playing. Yeah. Ain't nobody else on the street. You got two or three guys in there. Pick one. The one that's probably the best is the one that's been playing. You got to go with it. And and I think Zach Wilson probably needed to look around the room as well. Wait, hey, I'm, it's me yeah. and it's nobody else. Yeah. Here's when you know you're in trouble when your coach is saying. Mark Sanchez ain't walking through that door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're definitely in trouble. Your, your history is not yeah. great. Thanks, Matthew. Thank, thank you, Randy. And coming up here on 101 ESPN, the Giants and the Mets made moves at the managerial position after disappointing seasons. Should Cardinals fans be irritated by their team's non-movement? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. You'll reflect back and figure out things that you want to make adjustments to but more so just the young guys listening to that crowd and reminding them that this is what it sounds like every night here this is what it should feel like every night here when we do our jobs um more than anything because it was a you can feel it and you miss that that's the cardinal skipper ali marmal after the season yesterday uh 71 and 91 campaign the last cardinal manager to lose 90 or more games in a season and come back the next year was Branch Rickey in 1916. Red Shane Deans lost 90 games in 1976. He was summarily dismissed. Vern Rapp took over for him. And the Cardinals have had multiple 90-win seasons where manager got fired during the season but wasn't able to achieve the 90-loss plateau. The New York Mets had a summarily horrible season. They went 74 and 87. They had a $350 million payroll. It didn't work out. They let Buck Showalter go. Buck Showalter was manager of the year last year in the National League. He's a good manager. And the Giants, a couple of years after winning 107 games under Gabe Kapler, uh, decided to let him go. I think there are, at least from my perspective, completely different scenarios here. Buck Showalter was allowed to manage in New York. It was his show. Uh, and, and I know they brought in Billy Epler, but Billy Epler's not going in and telling Buck Showalter what to do. Same thing with Kapler. Farhan Zaidi, who is of the Andrew Friedman tree, he, he let Kapler manage, and Kapler changed a lot. He, remember when he was with Philadelphia, he was strictly by the numbers. I mean, strictly. There was it. It was awful how bad he was because he stuck to the numbers. He changed. He did a 180 with the Giants, and. That wasn't a very talented team. I thought for them to be close to 500 was actually a a pretty solid move uh, on his part. They finished 79 and 83, but apparently there were some underlying issues there. That team, according to Farhan Zaidi, was not serious enough as they crumbled down the stretch. I, I can't compare those situations to the Cardinals, and here's why. Because I don't, and this is only my observation. I don't know if it's completely accurate. But I don't think that Ali has enough juice in the organization. I don't think that, uh, to me, this goes back to Bill Parcells. 
if you're going to expect me to cook the dinner, at least let me pick some of the groceries. Mm-hmm. And if if the Cardinals are going to be telling, and Greg has brought this up, right? Ali's done everything, Greg Amsinger, Ali's done everything they've asked him to right. do. Mm-hmm. He's just carrying out their plan. So um, the only way I would make a change with the Cardinals, and I, I, I've said this a million times, is you have to bring in a veteran guy that's done it before. Joe Madden is the one guy that's out there that has the ability to oversee an organization, set a template and a plan for the organization, and then execute it. He was able to do that, not as much with the Cubs, but he did it with Tampa Bay. Uh, So that's, if if you wanted Ali Marmol to be fired, then the only way that it makes sense is if the next guy has a lot more power in the organization. If, If... Making a move by getting rid of Ali Marmol under the current circumstances, everything else being as it is, senseless. Yeah, it doesn't change anything. And that's the thing is that roster construction was a big issue. And even John Mosellock admitted that whether he truly believes that or not. I think that we saw how there was many flaws with the roster going into the season, pitching being a glaring issue. And I know that the text line always gets frustrated. People get frustrated when you talk about Wilson Contreras. But if you also base things off of what BT said last week, then we'll look at that Wilson Contreras contract. If he does get moved to the outfield is maybe another big mistake, because think about if they would have approached this offseason season getting pitchers I'm talking about this past offseason getting pitchers instead of maybe a catcher and realizing what they had with Andrew Kisner and Yvonne Herrera coming up and all that stuff they could have possibly been in a different situation and there wasn't enough pitching depth for Ollie Marmol to even go to at times this season and so I agree with you I think getting rid of Ollie doesn't help the solution it doesn't help you know figure out the bigger issue at hand here which is that sometimes you do have to let a manager manage and I did think it was really interesting Ali Marmol now we don't have sound of this because he had he does his media sessions differently so this was said amongst the writers but this past weekend and yesterday Ali Marmol had this to say um, about just kind of going into next season he says I want a clubhouse full of guys that has one thing on their minds and it's not themselves it's winning a championship so you start Start out by weeding those out. To me, I think that that kind of shows and plays more into what he believes, too, with the roster construction being an issue and maybe having more of a hand possibly this offseason and picking some of those guys and weeding out the ones that he doesn't think have that winning philosophy in the organization. We'll bring this back at nine. but uh, And Carrie, I know you want to weigh in here, but there's only one way to do that. Can you read that quote again? Yes. So the quote is, I want a clubhouse full of guys that has one thing on their minds, and it's not themselves. It's a it's winning a championship, so you start out by weeding those out. So here's what you do. You don't necessarily have to weed those guys out, but if you want players to do the little things to win championships, if you don't want them thinking, I need to hit a home run here because it's going to affect my next contract— Give them the contract. The model is Atlanta. Atlanta has all of their players under contract. So Brian Snitker can go to Ozzie Albies and say, hey, I need that ball hit to the right side. And Ozzie Albies will say, well, I'm not playing for a new contract. I'm going to try to help the team win. He can go to Acuna and say, "Uh, hit the ball to the right side. Acuna's going to hit a home run anyway. But let's use uh, 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 Michael Harris as an example. He, He can go to Michael Harris and say, you know what? I, I don't you need you swinging for the fences. I need you just to get on base. You don't need to hit home runs. You've already got your contract. The Cardinals need to sign to long-term contracts Tommy Edmond, 
Jordan Walker, Lars Newtbar, Mason Wynn, Brendan Donovan, Yvonne Herrera. They need to sign all of those long-term. And that way, when Ollie goes to ask them to do the little things, they aren't thinking about the contract in 2025. They're thinking about winning in 25 and 24. I, I, I agree with that 100%. I think, you know, the Cardinals did what they needed to do last offseason in terms of going to get a catcher. Andrew Kisner had a career year this year. This was yeah. like a, something that no one could have seen coming. I mean, and a career year meaning 241, um, sorry, 241 batting average and 712 OPS. His career numbers for five years is 216 and, and 621. So it, it, yeah. this is literally his best year of his career. No one could have projected that or predicted that. So I think by going to get the catcher, I was fine with. Randy, to your point, when you're talking about bringing in a different manager, the only way that any manager thrives in this situation is if the front office allows them to thrive. It doesn't matter who it is. Because we saw a manager that we thought, you know, there was philosophical differences between them and the front office, and he's no longer here. Mm -hmm. And so... I think that that matters when you're looking at at this this manager, managerial position. Are you going to allow that person to be who you hired him to be? Otherwise, if not, then you come put the damn uniform on and you sit in the dugout for for nine innings. If that's what you want to do, because managing the game from from upstairs is different from being on the field and seeing things in real time. You can have a plan. It's like a doctor. Doctors have plans when they go into surgery. They they, they take all of these numbers and all of this and the, the analytics and how, how this surgery should go, but sometimes things arise in that surgery. Do they say, no, we got to stick with the plan? No. You go in a different route to save the patient's life. So in a baseball game, I'm not comparing baseball to surgery, but I'm saying it, things happen when you're there in the moment that you have to adapt and adjust to. And just because you're playing going in, it may not be the same plan when you get in the middle of it. Collaboration is great, but somebody needs to be in charge. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that I think that they have hired Ollie to do exactly what he's doing right now, right? He's he's executing what they want to an extent. I don't think that a 91 loss season is exactly something that they had in the books, but this is something that can't happen moving forward. So I'm interested to see what they mean and who they mean by weeding out some of these players that they believe don't have that championship mentality. And one other thing I'm interested in and I, I have not I, I've been remiss I haven't asked the question I wonder how many of the members of Ali Marmol's coaching staff he hired hmm. yeah I wonder if he brought in his pitching coach and his hitting coach and his, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't hire his third base coach and his first base coach I know he's happy with them uh, but I, I wonder if he's got like that guy like Matheny always had Mabry yeah wasn't the best thing but Mabry's in the playoffs this year but uh, I think it's good for a coach to to have his Dick Vermeil had Mike White, you know mm-hmm. Whitey always had his guys. Tony always the Tony's coaching staff. I w- I wonder if if Ollie has his guy. We're going to talk more about this at nine o'clock because I think there's a lot of tentacles to this. But coming up, the Blues are back in action tonight when they take on the Blue Jackets. We're going to talk to Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for Curbside with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Blues and Blue 
Jackets tonight as the Blues preseason continues. I know that Chris Kerber and uh, Joe Vitale were thrilled the other night when the Blues and Stars game went into overtime. Sounded like <laughs> it on the air. At least. Kerber, good morning. How you doing? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I was not. <laughs> if ever you wanted a penalty shot to be converted, that was the time, right? That was, you know what, if you ever needed a penalty shot to go in with 7.6 seconds left in the game, uh, yep, that was definitely one of those moments. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Dallas Stars wanted that penalty shot to be saved. <laughs> I don't think so. So uh, I, I need to, and this is something that we'll do every Monday during uh, training camp and uh, early in the season, but what are your impressions of what you've seen so far? I, you know what, to be honest with you, I'm not sure... <sighs> I'm not sure anything is really jumping off the page at me in training camp. And that is okay. That's not a negative. It's just when you look at the young players that you need to look at, and I and I expect Bolduc and Dean to play again tonight and get another at least one more game in. Um, but you're dealing with two 20-year-old kids, for example. And, you know, and I thought they played a pretty solid game. I was, I was talking to a couple of people on the management side and, Every game that Dean has played, he seems to have shown just another level of his hockey IQ. Now, I don't know that it's ready for the NHL yet, and some seasoning in Springfield would make a whole lot of sense, especially if he's playing center. You know, I, I, right now I just I just don't see him playing in a spot where he would be outdueling a, a Sunquist, a Hayes, a Shen, or a Thomas, right? So you're getting what you're expecting from some of these guys, but you're also seeing the youthful part that you expect to see. Um, you had you had Richie that you know that came in and just didn't didn't get it done, didn't didn't earn a spot, so they, they released him from his PTO. That has to make some other guys breathe easier. But now I look the, these last week this last week and a half, these last three games to me is not so much about the top six as it's gonna be about the bottom six forwards and that's gonna be the real battle I think left in camp. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the biggest thing that I had noticed from the preseason game this past weekend is that kind of chemistry. It seemed like everybody was talking about that chemistry with Bull Duke and and with Dean. How do you think that they do figure into things or do they figure into things this season? I think they're gonna figure out exactly just what you know was expected. You got two twenty year olds uh that probably and, and most likely will end up in Springfield. Uh, barring any injury or something unforeseen here in the next two weeks. And, and then they'll go down there and they'll figure it out. I, I think you still got to learn this, the pace. Of, uh, look, it's an interesting thing when we talk about young players coming into, I don't care what sport it is, the, the big league level. Because in this case, you're talking about 20-year-olds, you know, playing with with guys that are 10 years older than him, them, guys that have – Guys that have experience in, in in the diet side of things, the, the the weight room, every aspect of it, it is a big jump, and it's not just a jump of can you make plays on the ice. And we haven't really seen much of a lineup from just about any team we've played yet. So it's not like it's not like these guys have gone up against a uh, outside of some of the camp, you know, uh, an NHL heavy lineup on in the opposition. So I I listen, Brooke. I'm not saying that these guys have had a bad camp in any way. I think they've come in, they're playing hard, they're getting the opportunity, they're putting the work in, and you're seeing exactly where they sit and then where they need to get to from there 
uh, maybe with some seasoning in the American Hockey League, and that is perfectly fine and actually probably preferred. Curbs, any concern about anything you're seeing right now? The Blues are giving up a lot more shots on goal than they're getting. Does that concern you at any at any rate? Yeah, I think uh, have, having not talked to Craig Berube about this just yet, um, to me, these the, the shots on goal aspect of training camp in terms of the games is is a concern right now. Now I caution it because, like I said, I mean, we just haven't seen we haven't seen a regular lineup. And either side of it, and to be honest with you, I don't know if there's uh, they're working on some other aspects of the game, saying I don't want to, I don't, don't worry about shots on goal at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm I'm pretty sure the coaches haven't said, okay, don't worry about this, but they might say, I want to see this kind of thing happen and this kind of thing happen, and then they build it back into their game. If if and that's a it's a pretty decent lineup that's going tonight to Columbus, so we'll see how that one uh, actually really good lineup. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. And then uh, we'll see where that goes. But, yeah, I think right now the lack of shots on goal, and it trended. Things really started to trend that way over the last year or two anyway. So the, the lack of shots on goal uh, is a, I say, small concern because I just want to see what happens when you actually put NHL players and enough of them on the ice. Curbs, Tory Krug plays tonight. We would presume that he'll be ready for opening night on October 12th in Dallas. Does it make sense for the Blues to have both Krug and Perunovic as part of their defense group not not the plays at the same time but to to have both here well it, yeah it could and um you know and and you know scotty perunovich still just has to be kind of given a shot to see if well, one of you could stay healthy and two you know can't how he plays at this level and, and i think the blues want to figure out what they have with him so you know my my sense is that you know, there's a much bigger chance now that you keep two extra defensemen and one forward, so 13 forwards and eight defensemen. Um, but even even then, Randy, I mean, uh, it means somebody may end up getting put on waivers on the defensive side and, and, and clearly on the forward side. I mean, there are jobs up for grabs here. So, you know, I'd expect Perunovic to play with Bortuzzo tonight. And we'll see how we'll see how things go with them. They're playing them a lot. I mean, it's his fourth game already, and the Blues sixth. So they they want to see what Perunovic can do and what they really have before they make a decision. It's, it's, it goes beyond this year. So I get back to does it make sense? Yeah, it, there is a way that it does, that it does make sense. But I don't know that I don't know that one way or another is a massive game changer for where this team is at and how they play because. You clearly have had Justin Falk that showed he can play on the power play. Uh, Nick Letty has done it in the past. I'd still like to see Pareko get more chances at it. Mm-hmm. But um, they, they've got options back there, and they've got to figure out where they fit. That's the thing. You've got nine guys. You've got Bortuzzo, Falk, Krug, Letty, Pareko, Perunovic, Rosen, Scandella, Tucker, that all of us can find really good qualities in. So nine defensemen that could play for a lot of teams probably. And all of them, I believe, i got to double-check this, but all of them, I believe, would have to clear waivers if you were going to send somebody down. Yeah. Uh, so that, and I don't see, I don't see any one of them clearing, right? Now, look, you, you know Larry Plo used to say all the time, Randy, about, you know, asset management and stuff. So can you keep an extra uh, defenseman if you send a forward down that, that didn't have to clear? Well, wherever that may shake out, or... You know, more importantly, do you, you know, heck, we could have two guys go down to injury tonight, right? And all of a sudden, this is not an issue. So these are all things that, that play into it. But, yeah, there, 
Look, there are clearly some roster decisions that are going to be made here in the final 10 days. Curbs, also I wanted to ask you about Joel Hofer. Obviously, he's going to be the backup for Jordan Bennington, but it seems like there also might just be some competition there, too, with amongst the goaltenders. Well, uh, yeah. In the way I look at it, Jordan Bennington is your starting goaltender. He played 61 games last year, had a 500 record, and I frankly think that that 500 record is pretty good considering the way the team played in front of him. Um, I, what we do know, Brooke, is that they definitely don't want Bennington to play 60 or more games. They would like to balance that out a little bit, just from a fatigue and a grind factor. And this schedule can be quite a grind, you know, even even in a non-Olympic, non, non-special event kind of year. So to me, if they get closer to 50 to, you know, 52, 55 games for Bennington and the rest go to Hofer, they ain't Hofer to be playing like a number one goalie in those games. And when you really do the math, you know, you're, you're talking about needing in that 25 to 30 points range when you do that kind of split from your backup goaltender is what you need earned if you're going to make the playoffs. I think they've got a goaltender that can do it. And if that does happen, well, yeah, that does push. Because if, if Joel Hofer is a really good, is playing really well and Jordan struggles a bit at stretch and they decide to put, you know, Joel in for four or five straight games, yeah, that, that competition could be there. And I think it can be a healthy competition, not a controversy kind of competition, but a healthy competition. And that's what, uh, that's what Doug Armstrong seems to like uh, up and down his lineup is that kind of internal competition to keep people focused. Curves, what has uh, Jordan's mindset been like, Jordan Bennington's mindset been like going into training camp and, and going into this season? We've talked about every other position. I thought he played extremely well last year, but gave up more goals than I think he would have pre- preferred. What has he been like this this uh, this preseason? Man, he's been great. Talked to him a couple of times. He's been – his play has been really good. Uh, his attitude is just what you would expect it to be. Um, I, I Look, I, and I realize I'm, I'm unapologetically a, a Bennington honk here. Because I just I like his attitude, I like his compete. He's the he's he's the most competitive goaltender I think we've had you know since I started doing Blues games. Just in terms of how he goes and look, and I know I know things get fired up. I know people like talk about the antics all the time. Well, if other guys on the team would would help out with some of that stuff, maybe he could you know put that in the bank a little bit. But I just. I just still think if I got a game that I've got to win, and it's because I saw it in 2019, if I've, there's a game that I need a win in, I know he's keeping our team in the game. And you know we didn't get blown out a whole lot last year because of poor goaltending. Look at the backdoor tapping. Look at the things that happened. You guys heard us talk about it all season long ad nauseum. Uh, if this team is decent in front of Jordan Bennington, you, you guys are going to see a really good year. And, and at some point in time, he's going to be, you know, he's only, what, 32 wins, 33 wins away from, you know, the all-time win total for the St. Louis Blues, which actually, if you think about that one, this one's right up Randy's alley here. It's hard to imagine that the all-time win record for the St. Louis Blues goaltender is 152 in Mike Leute. It is amazing. Like, you, it, you'd think it'd be that, more. That right? is really amazing. What's you would you would think it'd be? You would think you'd have had a goaltender that was here long enough to to get to two hundred something yeah. something like that. But uh, but it, it's it's like a hundred. I think it's one hundred and fifty two for Michael. You Jake Allen uh, missed him by one. You know, and and so here's another crazy one. Uh, when I was looking up some stuff on Jordan Bennington the other day, who Randy? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm getting you warmed up for the fight. You I'm ready, ready for that? I'm ready. Okay. okay. 
Who's the Blues' all-time leader in goals against average? Oh, man. Uh, Brian Elliott? Yeah. Okay, you're done. You're ready for the fight. (laughs) (laughs) Curbs, have have fun tonight, and uh, good luck to your Giants against the Seahawks. Uh, oh, wait, that's football, right? Yeah, okay. Gotcha. All right, guys. See you a little later. Curbs. See you soon. Take care. That is Chris Kerber uh, with us on 101 ESPN. I hope he didn't mess up another fight question. No. Oh, no, good. No. Okay. Uh, good. I hope you did. Uh, do you need a funny. fighter, Matthew? Yes, we do. We would like to have a fighter text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Text in to that line, your name and the word fight, and perhaps Matthew will choose you as our fighter next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Terry Davis joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Tom. Tom, how are you? I am doing great. How about yourself? Doing wonderful. You ready to take on Randy Carricker? I am. I hope to catch him on a on a slow Monday. All right. Well, here we go. In that unforgettable NLCS Game 7 moment against Carlos Beltran, Wayno had loaded the bases for the at-bat. Which of the following players was on base? Was it David Wright, Cliff Floyd, or Indy Chavez? Uh, let's go with David Wright. All right. Question number two. St. Louis native Kyron Williams made Rams franchise history yesterday when he scored his fifth rushing touchdown of the year in week four. Which other Rams running back is the only one to do that? Is it Marshall Falk, Eric Dickerson, or Steven Jackson? Uh, let's go with Marshall Falk. Sticking to the St. Louis area, NFL players, which NFL Local product was the last player before Khalil Mack to tally six sacks in a game. Is it A.J. Espineza? Did I say that right? Sheldon Richardson <laughs> or Adrian Claiborne? Let's go with the first one. That you, I don't know if you spelled A.J. Espineza. Right. I did, yeah. There we go. I'm in trouble with that. <laughs> Khalil Mack, in the final question, Khalil Mack did come up short of the all-time record of seven sacks, seven sacks set by Derek Thomas. Which West Coast team did Thomas set that record against? Was it the Chargers? Was it the Seahawks or the Broncos? Uh, Chargers. All right, we will double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. All right. Okay. Tom, how you feel? Not real good. There was a lot of guessing on this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes it happens that way. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's how the, fa- the the fight go, as Ron Washington said. Although we know, although we know Randy won't be guessing. No. Yeah, Randy doesn't. Randy doesn't guess. Randy actually gives answers to the trivia questions before they're even asked. <laughs> At like seven forty-five. <laughs> Sorry about that, Randy. Say hello to uh, Tom. Tom, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. All right, Randy. Here we go. Okay. In that unforgettable NLCS Game Seven moment against Carlos Beltran, Wayno had loaded the bases for the at bat. Name any other three batters on base. 
any of the three batters. Are they three batters? Are the three runners? Are the three runners? They're not carrying bats. None of them. When none, of, none of them are. They're no longer batters when they're on base. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Jose Reyes. All right. Question number two. St. Louis native Kyron Williams made Rams franchise history yesterday when he scored his fifth rushing touchdown of the year in week four. Which other Rams running back is the only one to do that? Five rushing touchdowns in the first four weeks. That's Mm -hmm. the only other Rams running back. Well, did Marshall? Marshall didn't get off to that kind of start in 99. Uh, In 2000... It had to be 2000. I'm going to go with Marshall doing it, although they threw a lot. Dickerson may have done it. Um, but let's see. The first game, 41-36, he had two. And then they go up to Seattle. I don't think he had any in that game. Uh, and then week three, they come home. Um, San Francisco. Um, I'll... I'll Go with uh, I'll go with Marshall Falk. I think in 2000 when he set the touchdown record. Sticking with St. Louis area NFL players, which local product was the last player before Khalil Mack to tally six sacks in a game? Um, hold on here. This surprised me. Last guy to get six sacks in a game. Um. Oh, it was Adrian Claiborne. Who was a stud at Webster Groves. He just retired, I believe. Yeah. Final Number question. 32. Had a nerve uh, damage in one side of his body, so he like had to he had to play left end because he couldn't play right yeah. end because there was nerve ending the nerve damage on one side of his body. He was incredibly made at the NFL and did that. Final question. Khalil Mack did come up short of the all-time record of seven sacks set by Derek Thomas. Which West Coast team did Thomas set that record against? Seattle Seahawks, I believe. I'll go with the Seattle Seahawks. You should have changed that when he told you he knew it was Derek Thomas with seven. But I had to change two different fight questions oh. today, all right? I, I had to take deep job, right? show. So nice. Well done. Yeah, I, I, I had because I brought up that question I had, like earlier. I, had, I didn't know it was going to be. I had to fight. change two. I was hoping I didn't have to change one of the. I, that was what I changed it to after having to change it already. Good job, Randy. Didn't really want to change Proud it a third time. So Randy <laughs> messed with the fight. Was he able to win the fight on this Monday ring? That. Barrel. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Tom. Randy Carricker took you down three to one today in the fight. Uh, way to go, Randy. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Let's go through the answers to those questions. In that unforgettable NLCS Game 7 moment against Beltran, Wayno had loaded the bases for the at-bat. That inning, by the way, goes Jose Valentin single, Andy Chavez single, and then Jose Reyes lines out to center field. Mm. A pinch-hitting Cliff Floyd strikes out, and then Paul LaDuca gets walked. So that was Andy my Chavez, was LaDuca. Andy Chavez, Paul LaDuca, or Jose Valentin would have been the correct answer. No one got that one right. STL native Kyron Williams made Ram franchise history, tying it up with Marshall Falk in 2000, who who had five rushing touchdowns by week four. Sticking with the STL area NFL players, it was in fact Adrian Claiborne, the last person before Khalil Mack to tally six sacks in a game, and it was in fact a day in 1990 when the Seattle Seahawks were an AFC West rival of the Kansas City Chiefs that Derek Thomas set the NFL record with seven sacks. A 3-1 win for Randy Carricker. Tom, thank you again for joining the show and joining the fight today. 
Yeah, thank you very much for having me, and let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. Yeah. Time. Blue Jackets tonight. Meanwhile, Missouri will take on LSU at Sold Out for O Field on Saturday. Can Mizzou hang with the very talented other Tigers, the Bayou Bengals? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to feed the Tigers on the Opening Drive. This is the Morning Zoo. Brought to you by James Carlton of State Farm. Mention Mizzou to James when you request a quote, and he will donate $20 to Mizzou's preferred NIL on your behalf. CarltonInsurance.net. Mizzou can still pick up a first down. Weiss! Contested catch! Got it! Much better three for five here so far today. Looking in zone, looking for Burden! Burden! He's got glue on those hands. That makes it difficult for even the best. Brady Cook, play action, shot. He wants it all. Got it all. Marquise Johnson. Your quarterback, Brady Cook, a guy with no shortage of confidence or ability. That says it all. How's he making you guys shine out there? Man, he's a, he's a baller, <laughs> gamer, leader, warrior, everything you want in the quarterback. And it just makes everybody on the whole team just want to play for him. Yeah, I just feel like he a dog. You know, he's he's best leader. You know, I've been around, and so he's going to do whatever it takes to win. Luther Burden, who leads college football in receiving yards, and it'll be 5-0 and against Mizzou, against 3-2 and LSU Saturday at Faroe Field. And we know that Mizzou can move the ball up and down the field, and we also know now that not only does Burden lead the country in receiving yards, but... Brady Cook has set the all-time SEC record for most consecutive passes thrown without an interception. They're going to take on an LSU team that gave up 55 points to Ole Miss this past weekend. LSU can score it now. They've got Jaden Daniels at quarterback. He threw 414 yards, four touchdowns, no picks this weekend. And they have quite a receiving core. Brian Thomas with eight catches for 124 and three touchdowns over the weekend. Malik Neighbors also had eight catches for 102. They can wing it. The question is whose defense is going to step up next weekend? That's really what I think the game will come down to is can one defense or the other slow the other one down? And Mizzou's special teams is really, really good. Yeah. I was going to say, I just think it, it's your quarterback is playing that well. Your offense is, is buzzing in the manner in which they did. If I'm Brady Cook, I'm a little upset. I needed five more yards for 400. But, you know, somebody got to break a tackle, give me five more yards. But I, all in all, you hit the nail on the head. Luther Head leading NCAA in receiving. Sorry, Luther Head. <laughs> I am an Illini. Don't take offense to it. Luther Burden <laughs> leading, the NCAA, leading uh, college football in receiving, doing a great job. We talked about him earlier, how well he's doing both on and off the field. Just the maturation you see from one year, from your first year to the next year, has been has been amazing to see him do what he's been able to do. Uh, you thought that this offense may take a step back because you lost the leading receiver, uh, SEC receiver, and Dominic Lovick last mm-hmm. last from last season, him going to Georgia. But Luther Burton has stepped into that role. He knows he's confident, and I think Brady Cook is going to look for him. He's going to find him, and he's going to do a good job. They've done an outstanding job so far this season. Biggest te- biggest test of the season coming this weekend uh, with LSU coming into town. We'll see if they are 
if they are, you know, what they say, real or not, if they really are, are a really good team or if they're, you know, just beat up on some some not so good teams so far. This is literally the perfect situation for Mizzou that you could have mapped out when you're looking at the schedule season going into this LSU game. You were hoping that this offense would be able to kind of build that chemistry going into this SEC schedule that they're diving into here. And the biggest thing for me, and I said this last week before the game, uh, Luther Burton, of course, he is super talented. I also just wanted to see a number two receiver kind of stand out. Mm-hmm. And you had Theo Wees Jr. with that. He had 118 yards and a touchdown. I thought that was really good to see him emerge because if you look at his background from Oklahoma, the way that, you know, he was a five-star recruit, which I know that, you know, sometimes the stars don't necessarily ma- matter. And you've touched on that before, CD, too. But um, I think seeing him emerge in that game is what I was hoping to see for Mizzou as they get to this, you know, bigger SEC schedule is who's going to be outside of Luther Burton, who is going to be another receiver that can stand out? Because as you know, once you get further into this schedule, these teams are going to know more and more about Luther Burton. You're going to have to have another receiver that can stand out here. The other thing for Mizzou this weekend, and there's six and a half point underdogs, and they didn't have all of their guys last week. They missed Darius Robinson, mm-hmm. and he's an important part of what they do. And it's Rakestraw is not 100%. You're going to have to have your pass rushers and your pass defenders as healthy as they can possibly be against LSU because Mizzou, we're talking about having a second guy. LSU's got four or five guys that uh, they can utilize, plus they can run the ball. They've, offensively, they're terrific. Uh, I just wonder if LSU is capable of stopping anybody. Yeah, no, I I agree. Might be a shootout. Yeah, might be. I, the, I think the, the last team yeah. has the ball. I mean, you you talked about Luther Burton leading leading NCAA in, in receiving. Malik Neighbors is second on that list mm-hmm. for LSU. So they obviously are going to pass the ball. They're going to get the ball to their guys as well. Uh, it, it's going to be a challenge. This is, I, again, I think this is the first challenge that Mizzou is going to have. They played some really good games. They beat Kansas State. That was a good win for them. But this SEC challenge. This first. Real SEC challenge is going to be a good one for them to see where they are uh, this season. And by the way, congratulations to Mizzou. They're close to selling out all of their games this year. It's been a long time since Missouri sold out every game, and the athletic director has done a fantastic job, and obviously the the entire athletic staff there has done a great job. But congratulations to them, and this game is sold out. And that's a credit to Desiree Reed, Francois, but also to with what Eli Drinkwitz is putting on the field. I think that, of course, makes people want to go. Remember during the Barry Odom era towards the end there, especially, I mean, that you look at the difference in the fan attendance, and I think that's a testament to Eli Drewitz and making it exciting, bringing in some big recruits, especially in-state recruits. And then even with what Dennis Gates has yeah. done this past season, I mean, the attendance for basketball I, has gone up substantially, it seems like. Just keep winning. Just keep yeah. doing what, what you're all doing. About. That's all that matters. If you continue to win, all of the other things will take care of themselves. I mean, they 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 should be in a really good position for this season. They're, they're 5-0 and right now. What you can't do is is take your foot off of the pedal and, and take a step back versus this LSU team. No. If you want to be considered, uh, we talk about it all the time. We talk about how Illinois and, and Mizzou rival one another. And, and what they what Illinois did last year was spectacular, except for they didn't finish the deal. They, they had an outstanding first half of the season, and then they stunk it up the second half. Mizzou is having a, a exceptional, having an exceptional first half of the season. You want to beat this LSU team at home. You have to. 
And if you do, you put yourself in a good position. You're gonna take up. You're gonna jump up a few spots. You're gonna be probably top fifteen in the country if you do that. Um, and everything else is in front of you at that moment. The Tigers do need to prove themselves because, as a veteran Mizzou watcher, LSU. Kentucky is legit. They're really good. Mm -hmm. Then you've got South Carolina. Then you've got Georgia. Then you've got Tennessee. Then you've got Florida. Then you've got Arkansas. They could easily lose all of those games. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you you have to. If you want to be considered that, you got to win this one and, and really take care of your business. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, how can the Cardinals play better fundamental baseball? We have our ideas. We'll talk, we'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. And the next day, you wouldn't know if Adam went right, won a game or lost a game. He was the same guy every single day. And that's something that I look at it and I wanted to be like it. So my brother, thank you so much for helping me to have great success in the field also and for so winning the championship and for continuing to wear and mentor all those young guys over there. So bless you. Bless you, Jenny, and good luck to you guys. Uh, the next chapter of your life. Love you, brother. Thank you. That is Albert Pujols yesterday in the Adam Wainwright ceremony honoring Adam on the last day of his major league career. And the Cardinals did a fantastic job of honoring Adam Wainwright. And then he got a chance to actually hit and struck out in his final major league at bat. But he got to the plate and had one of the great careers in Cardinal history. Yeah, it was a great weekend just celebrating Adam Wainwright and everything that he has done for the Cardinals organization, for the fans, the fan support showing up there, even though this has been such a bad season. But to make sure they gave Adam Wainwright a proper send off, I just thought it was a beautiful weekend seeing all that, seeing everybody who came in, Yadier Molina surprising him. That was probably one of my highlights outside of him getting the dog, finally. It's been hot. Yadier yeah. with what he was wearing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, it was 90 degrees down there. That was, is that what you were thinking of? about when you saw Yachty. really hot. Why not wear something different? I don't know. But uh, for Yachty to come in, surprise, I just loved in the postgame comments where Adam Wainwright was talking about that he didn't even know he was coming. And he thought that Yachty was kind of big leaguing him by not talking to him, I guess, recently. But then he realized that Yachty would have easily given away that he was coming <laughs> this past weekend. So. You got to know yourself. Yeah. As long as you know yourself, you're in good shape. I think it was a, it was a great weekend, uh, despite the fact that you know, there. I'm looking at this, the standings, and, and there's yeah. an E next to the Cardinals, and it doesn't stand for exceptional. It stands for eliminated. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it's not been not been a great year for the St. Louis Cardinals, but a great way to end uh, the season for Adam Wainwright. Got to start the season off by singing the national anthem, end the season by by doing some of his songs and getting a few at bats. Um, you know, I, I hope next year we're not talking about who's retiring as opposed to where we're going to be seated in the playoffs and where, who yeah. we're looking forward to playing and, you know, all of those things. they got to be some things corrected in this offseason, though. They, How do they the have to get better. fix their defense? Obviously, Jordan Walker early in the season was a huge part of the, the, the struggles. Ooh. And, by the way, yes. Ooh, I know how. How? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Put people in the same spot every day. I think that'd help. Okay, mm, let's start yeah. there. And one of the things, play your gold glove, second baseman, at second base. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I, I think one of the problems that you have player. is that your gold glove, second baseman, also happens to be, at least in their opinion, their best defensive 
center fielder. Now, this problem is easily solvable if you make that determination that Wilson Contreras is going to be in left field. Uh, because then you're going to have Newt Bar in center, and because they like Newt Bar, they love Newt Bar, and Walker's going to be in right. So then you have an infield, presumably, of Arenado, Wynn, Edmund Goldschmidt, and then you have either Kisner or Herrera behind the plate. Also, one, one other thing that uh, moving Wilson Contreras into left field allows you to do is keep Nolan Gorman, if you so desire. Yeah, I have, I have just a little... A little bit of uh, questions and concerns, I guess, is a, is to a segment okay. to play off of that. Questions and concerns. So, and I was speaking about this earlier, and I think some people are misunderstanding what I was talking about with the whole Wilson Contreras possibly going into the outfield this offseason. Would you also say that that signals that that's another failed free agency signing? Now, yes. offensively, he did everything that you would hope and expect from him this season, but once again, was sitting in that press conference where they said he was going to be your primary catcher. They said even bringing before bringing Wilson Contreras, they're going to bring in a catcher. You got a catcher, and then just a season later, I know they already tried to do it 33 games into this season, but now going to this offseason, there's a possibility you're going to move in the outfield. Doesn't that add to another long list of kind of a pattern of free agency signings that did not pan out that you paid good money for? I would say actually you're probably, the, the pattern is 100%. It, does that does that not give you some more concern about entering the offseason when you're going to go get some pitchers? Is it, is it free agency malpractice? <laughs> yeah, it is. When, when you have signed Brett Cecil, when you have signed Mike Leake, when you have signed Dexter Fowler and got out of him what you got. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I would say that uh, free agency malpractice is a thing. But has a team won a World Series, multiple World Series, with Manny Ramirez playing left field? Yes. Has a team won a World Series with Lonnie Smith in left? Yes. Has a team won a World Series with Greg Luzinski in left field? Yes. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Cardinals could put Wilson Contreras in left. And if his bat was good enough, his defense would be enough overshadowable by the offense. But they do need to be better defensively. This year they were 20th. In uh, in uh, defensive runs saved, minus six, and they were 19th in outs above average. So they need to be better. They need to get to more balls, and they need to make more plays. It's not just the errors, but it's the balls that they don't get to. And that's one of the reasons that I'm like you guys. I would like to see Tommy Edmund at second base. I, I mean, I, I, I was at that game Friday, and I, I took some, I took some notes. I, I wrote something down, and I thought it was intriguing because. Paul Goldschmidt, uh, 38, 37? I think he's 37. Going to be 37 next year? Is that, is that, is that, am I correct in that? Yes, yes. It was game 160, Mm -hmm. right? He's out there diving for balls like it's the middle of the season and they're still playing for something. So it it brought something that they were playing for nothing other than pride. They were getting the, the, their teeth kicked in. Just turned 36 in, in September. Getting their teeth kicked in at that point. Here he is, a, a gold glove first baseman, a, a, a NL MVP first, you know, in, in the league, doing did a great job in his career, playing in game 164 team that is 20-plus games under 500, playing his butt off. They have to give something for them. The Cardinals have to do something for Goldie and Arenado to make this team better for next year. As I'm watching mm-hmm. that, I'm watching that play, and it just dawned on me. Here's a guy still going out. He, he, he don't have nothing to prove in this season. There's nothing left. There's nothing good coming out of this other than he loves the game of baseball. 
And so for you to be playing in that moment, game 160, diving, making big plays, making a great play in a game that really doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you have to do what's best for those guys going into 2024. You have to make a better, put a better product on the field because you, I am certain you brought those guys in from their respective organizations and said, this is baseball heaven. We're going to be playing mm-hmm. in playoffs. You're going to play in October. It's going to be beautiful. You're the, the stadium's going to be packed in a sea of red. You're going to love it. And here we are. And it's not been great. And so you have to give them something to look forward to. They haven't won mm-hmm. a championship. You have to put a product on the field that allows those two to be the best versions of themselves, and they deserve it. And, and the Cardinals have to do that this offseason. And that's why they brought them in, right, is yes. to win a championship. And that's why this offseason is going to be so just interesting and slightly terrifying to see how this plays out because you also had some very interesting comments from Ali Marmol yesterday in some of his uh, media sessions, one talking about that he does understand why the fans are frustrated and they want to come for his head. He gets that, especially when it's been a 91 loss season. And he also made a comment about some of the guys that he's looking for, which plays into what you're talking about, what he's wanting moving forward from his clubhouse. He said, I want a clubhouse full of guys that has one thing on their minds and it's not themselves. It's winning a championship. So you start out by weeding those out. Who, who, who is he referring to? Hmm. Tyler O'Neill, I would assume. Other, other, is that. I think that would be the one name that we all would assume. But other than Tyler O'Neill, who else on this roster would he be referring to? Because when you make a statement like that, you're not talking about one guy. No. That is a, a, a an issue inside the clubhouse of multiple people, mm-hmm. like-minded people that feel that way, that, that go about their day that way. So, Mike, who else would he be talking about? Because it ain't just one guy. No. That's troubling. Well, we know they like Walker. We know they like Newt Bar. Bar. Mm-hmm. We know that the corner guys are fine. We know that they like Mason Wynn. We know that they like Brendan Donovan. So Nolan Gorman? Not and they, and they like Tommy guys. Edmund, too. Yeah, yeah Edmund, they yeah. like Tommy Edmund. So now you're thinking... I don't think it's Wilson Contreras, unless you're frustrated because he doesn't want to mm-hmm. go play left field and you sign him to be yep. a catcher. How is but you're not, not weeding him out. He's not going <laughs> anywhere, right? Well, I'd be mad as hell, too. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. No. The hell I look like. So you're looking at Carlson's name hasn't been listed. Gorman's name hasn't been listed. Um, Is it just, though? I mean, I don't think Gorman would be on that. I'm intrigued to know, and and hopefully we can get him. Does does Nolan, with his better than 30, not better, it's worse than 30% strikeout rate, is he doing enough to help your team win? Gorman? Or is he swinging for the fences to try to hit home runs all the time? He'll be doing enough if you put him in a trade. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him hit 35 home runs for the Chicago White Sox. But if that meant getting Dylan Cease in return, yeah. Then so so, who else? So well, you. What about some of the pitchers? Those guys. Those pitchers. Can I? Can I? I, I, they're, They're not. That's not them. What about Palante? I will say, I will say, I will, well, <laughs> you, you got really yeah. to be really good to, to think that way. Yeah, your closer might be in that situation. Maybe, maybe he, maybe that's one. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if he performs the way that he has been lately. Do you want to part with him? <laughs> Especially when you need to replace a lot of guys anyway. Yeah. But they might look at him after what happened last year in the playoffs with the finger situation and mm-hmm. them not being aware of how he was 
Billy. injured. Yeah. And then this year with the, the issues that he had, uh, we're just spitballing. Just, I'm just guessing, but I'm just thinking about the names that fit and don't fit. Yes. That's today's Rush Hour Reset. Coming up, Luther Burton has some new chips out. We're going to talk uh, about those. And the Ryder Cup was wild yesterday. We're going to talk about that as well with our friend Nick Ragone. Coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Much better three for five here so far today. Looking in zone, looking for Burden. Burden! He's got glue on those hands. Oh, Luther Burden leading the nation in receiving yards. And you may have had uh, the Luther Burden old Vienna chips last year, but there's a new Luther Burden chip out. It's the Honey Barbecue Ranch flavored Red Hot Ripplets from Old Vienna. And our friend Ken Dubinsky, who works with Luther with NIL, is with us now on 101 ESPN. And Ken, good morning, and thanks for sending the chips over. We're all really enjoying them. Glad you're enjoying them, Randy. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Well, let's start with this. How is Luther doing? Here we have the, the top receiver in the country. How is NIL working for Luther Burden? I think it's really a great story. Um, he is obviously the top local kid, uh, you know, two years ago, came to Mizzou, wanted to start a tradition of local kids staying home. And, and he has really just delivered in every way, obviously on the field, unbelievably well this year. And then really has been a great study in what NIL can do and how successful that local kid can be when he, when he stays home. Uh, obviously uh, very proud of the chips we've done with him, but he's also obviously been a, a spokesperson for Emos, for Commerce Bank, um, Coffin and Townsley, and, and obviously gotten a lot of, of great NIL deals because, again, he, he did uh, make that move to stay home and, and just having a great impact. I, I love these chips. I just took uh, a couple of bites uh, <laughs> of some of the chips, and they're delicious. The new one being the Honey Barbecue Ranch. So tell us, what is that process like of Luther working with them to make this chip and make sure it's his favorite, too? So it's kind of a fun story. Um, you know, obviously, we, we did the, the Honey Barbecue Red Hot Ripple last year. got a great response and, and always had, had thought about doing another chip. And, and obviously, Randy, I want to give uh, all credit to, to DJ Demetrius Johnson, who uh, we all remember so well, who uh, kind of had the idea last year to do it. And, and uh, I was, I was just thrilled to bring it to life with him. And um, I know a lot of us still think about him every day. Um, but so we, we had talked about doing another item and uh, uh, Luther's agent, Chris Bailey was telling me one day about how he had been to, Columbia had lunch with Luther and he, how Luther just piled the ranch dressing onto his chicken wings. And so that kind of gave me an idea. I, I went in the kitchen and, and tried some chips with some ranch dressing on them and, and they were really good. So, <laughs> so uh, I talked to Luther about it and he was all, he was excited about it. And we got with the seasoning uh, company and did a few renditions and came out with one that I, I think really uh, hit the mark. And I'm glad that you like him, Brooke. And uh, I think, I think everybody's going to like him. It's, it's a twist on it. It's still got that, that signature honey barbecue hot flavor from last year's chips, but then we add ranch for another element to it that kind of cools it a little bit at the start, but then you still get that heat at the end. 
Ken, who is the uh, taste tester for these chips, and are you looking for one? Is there a position available? <laughs> they are very good. We are always we are always looking for volunteers. <laughs> I can definitely help you out with that next time. And, and Kenny, I know I you appreciate that. You're involved overall with uh, Mizzou NIL, and people will be able to pick up these uh, honey barbecue ranch uh, red hot ripples all over the area. I know that the Schnooks will have mobile on the run is going to have them as well. And uh, f- for people that are interested in getting involved with NIL with uh, M-I-Z-Z-O-U, how can they do it? Well, there's uh, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Ms. Lou uh, is a local group, St. Louis, that Phil Bender uh, got started that really is making some good traction and in focusing on St. Louis kids and trying to do all we can to keep St. Louis kids here at at the home state university. So um, it's uh, Ms. Lou.com is the website and people can, can go on there to get some information. And, and also every true tiger is the main collective up at Mizzou and, uh, I've been doing some good work with them, with with Schnooks, and uh, as you mentioned, I appreciate it that the the new ranch ships will be at Schnooks, uh, all Schnooks stores throughout this week as as they get their deliveries throughout the week, and all of them will have them by Friday, and Tops convenience stores as well, as you mentioned, on the run and Crown Marts, and and then as far as you know, other NIL stuff, Schnooks has been a great partner in in introducing the the pizzas with the Mizzou athletes, and that'll be a, a number of other items. Uh, ice cream, cookies, candies uh, that come down the road as well. So it's really going to be, it's, it's been a really fun project for me. I'm obviously a big Mizzou booster many, many years, and it's kind of combining two of my passions with uh, product development and, and always loving Mizzou. You do great work. Ken Dubinsky, thanks so much for the time, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Take care. Ken Dubinsky, and uh, again, pick up the old Vienna uh, Luther Burden, the LB3 chips this week throughout the metro area. It was a wild weekend at the Ryder Cup in Italy, and we go now to the celebrity line, and our friend the the great Nick Ragone from the Ascension Charity Classic joins us. He is all over the, the golf scene, and we were texting yesterday. Nick, It was uh, I was kind of thinking that, that uh, the USA would come back, but they just fell short. Um, they fell quite a bit short, Randy. You were being, I think, wildly optimistic. I, was. I mean, for a brief moment, uh, Saturday night when Patrick Cantlay rolled in that 40-footer and you had all the histrionics on the 18th green and his caddy, Joel LaCava, mixing it up with Rory and then Shane Lowry, it looked like there was some fight in the team, but I think it worked against them because I think it really ticked off Rory and the Euros and they came out and they put the hammer down on the singles on Sunday. It was never really close. Well, Nick, of course, we have to talk about that. It feels like there was a lot of drama, a lot of interesting stories surrounding everything this past weekend, including, as you mentioned, that Rory McIlroy and the drama that kind of spilled into a spat into the parking lot. What do you think happened there? Well, you know, and looking at some of the videotapes, so look, uh, Caddy should never be part of the equation. It's okay to celebrate. Patrick Cantlay, LaCava's guy, was under pressure all day. People were getting on him about not wearing a hat, and there was rumors about it was a protest for not being paid. And so I think there was a lot of energy that was released when Cantlay made that putt. But if you look at the videotape, Joe LaCava, his caddy, celebrated way too long and got way too close to Rory, and that's a no-no. You don't get close to a player. Rory still had a putt. 
by the way, to tie it up, and so did Matt Fitzpatrick. And so I think in retrospect, he celebrated way too long. It went across the line. And I think it ticked off Rory, and it ticked off the Euros. And um, whatever momentum the Americans had Saturday night after Cantlay's putt, I think, evaporated. And they came out, and Rory dropped a hammer and all those guys. And it wasn't really a contest. I think Zach Johnson did a poor job as uh, as captain. I think his captain picks did not turn out to play well. I mean, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth were invisible. And I think it was a really poor performance. It was, uh, I guess, some more drama. Uh, Xander Shoffley's uh, father claims that he was his son was supposed to almost kicked off of the U.S. team because of a Netflix and contract drama. Did you hear about that? Yeah, you know, so one of the things, Cantlay and Shoffley are two friends, and they uh, they voted against having Netflix be a part of, uh, you know, to watch the stuff in the locker room. And, and, look, there's been a lot of discontent on that U.S. team. I think Cantlay and Shoffley um, have been a little bit isolated from the team. You had Brooks Kepka, a live guy. You had some of the captain picks who haven't played well. I mean, in retrospect, if you look at Bryson DeChambeau, he's been playing great golf. Lucas Glover won twice. Keegan Bradley played great. Those three guys, I think, if they were on the team, would have been much better off. But there was a lot of di- fracturing and a lot of discontent in that locker room. Uh, they they lost before they even played. They looked defeated on, on the opening day. And I think there's going to be a lot of soul-searching going on as to how to right the ship. We haven't won on European soil in 30 years. And it's interesting because Rory said after the win yesterday, quote, I think one of the biggest accomplishments in golf right now is winning as an away Ryder Cup team. And that's what we're going to do at Bethpage in two years. So he's already well, laid the yeah, yeah. down. <laughs> The American fans, the New York crowd at Bethpage, I'm sure will remember that. And they will give Rory and the Euros an earful. Look, the Europeans have won on American soil a couple times in the last 30 years, famously at Medina with that comeback. Uh, they won it uh, at Oakland Hills. So at least they've won it a few times. The Americans haven't. It's been 30 years. So I love that Rory's already thinking about Bethpage. I guarantee you, Randy, the crowd at Bethpage in, 20, in two years will be fired up. It'll be a lot of fun. But this American team, they need to revamp it. Five weeks off between the FedEx Cup and the Riders' Cup was way too long. And having six captains' picks, it turns into kind of a, almost like a high school click thing where they're, the players are now just picking their friends, and uh, that doesn't work either. They need to revamp this team format. And one more thing from me, Nick, and this is in regards to just having a guy. Even Win or lose, we had a guy when Tiger was playing, right? Who's going to be the guy for the United States in a couple of years? Is there a guy on the horizon that could be the, the guy that everybody gravitates to and says, okay, we got him on our side? That's a great question. You know, the Euros had Brom, they had Rory and Hovland. They had the big three. Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, not only didn't win a point, he didn't win a point last year or win a match last year at the President's Cup either. He's supposed to be the guy, Randy. He got throttled. He and Brooks Kepka Saturday afternoon. Um, he does not look like the guy. Brooks Kepka would have been that guy, but he's on the live tour and it's a little bit fractured. You know, there's no fill anymore. I think that's a real point, which is there seems to be a vacuum in leadership. You know, maybe Justin Thomas, but he's been playing really poorly. And so I think um, they're going to need a young player. I mean, the, the Euros have John Rahm for years, Rory for years, Victor Hovland for years. They have three bona fide leaders. Right now, the Americans are leaderless. And I, I think that's a big factor. Just one more question for you about just how the reports, as you mentioned, it seemed like that the U.S. locker room was fractured. Do you think that the players should get paid for their participation for the Ryder Cup? Because that seemed to be the big issue with Patrick Cantlay and how he felt about things, the hat or no hat. What do you think about that? 
I, I do think that's a big issue for him and Xander Shoffley and others. And it's been brought up in the past. Other American players have mentioned it. Uh, my own feeling is it's one of the few competitive endeavors left where there's no money. It really is about pride for playing for your continent and your country, the love of the game. It sounds a little cliche, especially with now with Nil taking over college sports. There's really there's no there's no place that's safe anymore from the dollar sign. But the Ryder Cup is one of those places, and they are paid. The proceeds, 20% of them goes to the PGA Tours pension fund. So they do get paid for this. It's just not directly. And it's really, it should be about more than money. And the European tour guys, they embrace that. They really play it for their tour because those monies help their tour. Um, And I think it's going to be a bone of contention with the U.S. side for a while because there's some players that just want to get paid for everything. And I think it's a losing proposition. And, I, you know, we've been hearing that for 30 years from other players on the American side. And I don't think they're ever going to get paid, nor should they. I have a couple of Ascension Charity Classic caps that I'm just proud to wear. Nobody needs to pay me. I'm just proud to wear <laughs> Ascension Charity Classic caps because that's the kind of guy I am and that's the kind of tournament that I enjoy being a part of. And I think I'll see you later today at Glen Echo, Randy. Oh, looking forward to it. Thank you, sir. Take care, buddy. Take care. That is our friend Nick Rigone from the Ascension Charity Classic talking some golf here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, City with another big win over the weekend, and they can make a little bit more history on Wednesday night. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an equalizer. In a word. Chaos. down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. It's a super header from Savadinaran. Savadinaran, Rosero. And he flicks it out and the ball back for Klaus. 3-0. It's raining City Park, number one in the West, with an exclamation point tonight. We started this journey, you know, nearly two years ago to get to this moment, and I think there's been a lot of work behind the scenes, and uh, to get a game, you know, with this opponent, uh, with so much on the line, um, you know, what it means to the fans, what it means to everybody here, individually, personally, whatever they go to is, whatever their motivations are to get it to this point. Um, just extremely proud of the group, you know, and to call that spot our own. You know, we can't we can't buy anything with it. We can't celebrate anything with it. There's no silverware with it. But yeah, it, it's there. Incredibly proud of these guys. And, and uh, I don't think that we want to stop anytime soon. City coach Bradley Carnell on the heels of a 4-1 victory over Sporting KC on Saturday night at City Park. And with the victory, St. Louis moved to 17 wins. That's the record for the most wins by an expansion team in MLS history. City SC earned its 11th home win of the season. That tied Atlanta United for the most home victories by an expansion team in their inaugural season in MLS history. That's excluding, of course, the shootout era. And that's not all. With 56 points, Bradley Carnell tied Bob Bradley, Dominic Torrent, and 
and Jeff Kassar for the fifth most points earned by a first-year head coach in MLS history. And with 35 points in home matches, that's the second most home points by an expansion team in their inaugural season. So St. Louis City SC is setting records left and right. And as they head to Vancouver, they have an opportunity to set even more, which should be very cool. I'm just so excited about everything that City SC is doing this year. They're proving so many people wrong. And as you mentioned there, thanks to LAFC, which is very weird to say, thanks to LAFC yesterday with them losing to Real Salt Lake, City SC was able to clinch the Western Conference crown, as you mentioned there, and home field advantage throughout the conference finals. And just even seeing this past weekend how much home field advantage matters for City SC. They play so well at home at City Park and just the atmosphere that they've created. They've talked about so much about how that actually does play into how they play. And if you saw, I was getting FOMO not being there. Of course, I would not miss Wayno's final weekend mm-hmm. because that was huge. But I'm telling you guys, if it wasn't Wayno's final weekend and the Cardinals, you know, finished out the season the way that they did, I would definitely be at that City SC game. I kept checking back and forth on Saturday because it was such a blowout in the Cardinals game. I kept checking back and forth on what was going on over at the City SC game. And I'm sure some people could text in. It looked absolutely electric and just exciting. And for Adidaron to score, Klaus to score as well. I mean, it's just so great to see this team coming together in the way that it has. It's everything that I feel like Lutz and Carolyn Kendall, Jim Cavanaugh, everybody envisioned and hoped for. And it shows that what they did, putting this all together years in advance, it's paying off for them in their inaugural season. I'm just thinking about how many awards will City win this year? Coach of the Year? I mean, is that Lutz? You got Goaltender of the Year? There there are a lot of Hard, there's a lot of hardware that's going to be uh, coming SC's way, the city's SC this way after the season ends. They've done a fantastic job. Brooke, you talked about the bulletin board material that yeah. they have up with everyone projecting them to finish 13th or 14th in the conference, and here they are, number one. I, it's just, it, it's one of those stories that, that when you see it, it's almost if it was written as a movie, you'd be like, no way. That's, yeah. not, not, that, that's not real. That's not going to happen. I don't know what Rock is waving in an airplane over there. Look where he was. <laughs> where he's, waving, he's, like, he's waving us in. I didn't know what he was airplane. doing. He, he just, what were you doing? Oh, oh, I was. Don't <laughs> acknowledge what I'm doing. Keep going. I can't help but acknowledge what you're doing when you're giving me the finger no, wave. Well, we're, we're landing a plane currently. But no, I, I yeah. just I think they've done a a fantastic job. Um, you know, this season just putting all of these things into play and into place. It's been fantastic to see. It's been fantastic to watch. It was unexpected. And it's fun. I mean, it's what it's what it's what you would have wanted the Cardinals to be, but it's City. <laughs> they've done a fantastic job of I guess taking over the twenty three summer. Yeah, and, they have, and and really everyone is is tuned into what they've done, and this playoffs is going to be a, a fun ride for them. It will be. And you talked about the bulletin board material, and Adunaran talked about that in his post game comments. You know, in our locker room, we have a we have a paper on the wall that says all of the predictions that I don't know exactly who, <laughs> but they predicted that we were going to be thirteenth oh, or fourteenth no. in the West, that was I believe. Us. You know, and um, yeah, that's that's motivation. I look at that thing every single day. And I'm like, that, that's not going to happen. You know, I, I don't like to lose. I've won a USL title, Champions League title, and I'm looking for an MLS Cup title. So, you know, we, we don't like to lose. And that, that's the mentality of this organization. We're, we're winners. You know, whether it's our first year or our 10th year, it doesn't matter. I Great motivation. That. Yeah, yeah. You got to look. 
there was a lot of people outside of St. Louis, and maybe in, some, here most in St. Some Louis. in St. Louis, yeah. I, but still, I think that just having been around everything that they were building, I remember when I sat down with Carol and Kendall, and they were just talking about the renderings. Randy, I'm sure that you did the same, too, when they were just putting this together and say, we're going to go out and get an MLS team, and just seeing how much that they effort that they put into this, making sure they had the facilities ready, bringing in the players that they did of Leuven, Klaus, and Roman Berkey, they really really set the stage for this to be successful and Lutz and his experience and then Bradley Carnell every all of his experience and the depth that they have that they've been able to build in just this inaugural season says a lot about all the work that's been going on behind the scenes for years. So Matthew what sets up for uh, Wednesday night when they travel to Van Blank in Coover what can <laughs> they accomplish what can City SC accomplish on Wednesday? We said it there. They have second most uh, points for an expansion team ever. Of course, LAFC is is the one they're trying to pass. They they kind of set the mark there at fifty eight points. That's kind of like the magic number they want to hit. So that's a chance to do it against Vancouver. Um, it'd, it'd be really special for them, obviously. And then and then obviously every point now just gives you a better chance because it's, you clinch through conference finals. But the MLS Cup is best record hosts. Right. So there's still a couple teams in Orlando City and Philadelphia mm-hmm. over in the East that if they win all their games, they could pass City by if City doesn't win all their games. So there's still a little bit is some jockeying of if FC Cincinnati does not go on through, you want to be the team it. hosting, and so, so and you can Cincinnati still get that. clinched home field home pitch throughout. Yes, they are. They are the, the, the uh, they are the supporters shield winners supporters as they shield. are going to have the that's, number the most points in the entire league. That's the president's trophy. Yes. It is. There okay. And yeah. by the way, if so they you involve Canadians, you have to do like special trophies for just winning, getting the best record in the regular season. Okay. So well, that's, the, that's uh, the president's trophy, they don't usually win the Stanley Cup, though, right? That's what I'm saying. So you know what I really like? Doesn't mean is, Cincinnati is. Like, um, is if you finish like with the uh, best record, but then in your conference mm-hmm. and then lose in the first round of the playoffs, I think that's something that a banner should be put up for. Uh, a better for the yeah. loot yeah. for having the best record in the Western league. Western Conference regular season <laughs> champions. Oh, man. Wow, that feels uh, very targeted uh, at a very specific organization that might be in the but Music all, City. Also, <laughs> ah, it might seem kind of arbitrary, but like legitimately, Carnell and everyone I was talking to at City are like, no, no, we want that expansion points records like we won the west fine we 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 set a number for us to beat lafc's total points record and we're going to do that at at all costs right now it's kind of crazy how determined they are for something that outside might seem a little bit arbitrary that's their goal line and they're going to get there and mls does have their own little play in tournament so if the playoffs started today san jose and fc dallas would play for the right to play st louis city sc Either San Jose or Dallas coming here in November, it's going to be uncomfortable for them. We're going to be practicing in this stuff every day, and November can be dicey here in St. Louis. So San Jose and FC Dallas, either one of those teams comes to St. Louis. Not only do they have to deal with the crowd, but they have to deal with the weather, which will be a hassle for them. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We'll be rooting for bad weather in St. Louis because we've got (laughs) mutters. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we've got rock and roll. Stick around. It's coming your way as we head down the stretch of this edition of the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Stuff coming up. The fast lane is going to be live Friday from 2 to 6 at. Oh, no, that was uh, last week. Sorry. 
Attention, Scott Air Force Base. Don't need that one anymore. Rut row. Rut row. No, this is what I was thinking about. Uh, at Scott Air Force Base, for service members or families and anyone currently on base, the Fast Lane is going to be there live from 2 to 6. On Thursday, join the Fast Lane for our special military appreciation live broadcast from 2 to 6. It's a special Fast Lane military appreciation with Anthony, Jamie, and I think Marcy's going to be there. He usually is. It's Thursday from 2 to 6 on base at the exchange at Scott Air Force Base. It's always fun when we head out there, and 101 ESPN is proud to be associated with Scott Air Force Base and our military, brought to you by Budweiser and Air Comfort Service Heating and Cooling. And uh, that's what we got for you. That's what we, before we get to, I, I've got so many extra sheets of paper here, it's unbelievable. <laughs> you didn't want to do the one with I the don't need that one either. Right yeah, yeah, yeah well, we're good. Tommy Edmund, picture Miles Mike. No, you want to do that one? All good. All right. Habitat for humanity. Yep. All right. Helping we'll, out. We'll, we'll put Helping out the area. The, uh, Recycle bin after yeah. after after work is over. Mm-hmm. I every, didn't. every once in a while, somebody puts Propel and bananas in the recycling. I don't bin. put bananas in the recycling. I, know. Propel, I thought I saw one. Propel bottles, plastic uh, recycling. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought I saw a banana in there one I, day. I never put. Bananas I feel in there. I, I'm bothered by my my, you know, my trash company trash pickup. They they made it so tough for what you put in your recycle bin. Yes, like, it, it, it's mm-hmm. so yes. many. Like they would literally leave the recycle bin there, and I'm like, you know what? I'm trying to do my part to save the earth. And if you trash company don't want to help out, then I guess I won't have a recycle bin anymore. I'll just have two trash cans. Yeah. I remember Throw everything away. Yeah. How about that? That's frustrating. How about it's that? very frustrating. I was trying to do my part, Randy. And it didn't and work out. They just weren't picking up my stuff. Thanks for trying. I was. I recycle here, though, every day. I remember Proud I think myself. in Arkansas, they uncovered a story about something about they said that because, you know, you have to pay extra, obviously, for the recycling. They said they were doing that and they were just taking it to the landfill. Uh, probably. I, uh, we, we've heard that people that make stuff with recycling, that like 95% of what you put into recycling never gets recycled. That's ridiculous. That doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem, it right. doesn't seem right. right. No. Yeah. Mm. It's almost like all this personal recycling stuff is yeah. completely a racket. At least we're mm. saving the sea lions, though, by cutting the little can things. Because, you know, Are sea we? lions and dolphins. <laughs> and they, the they turtles. Their, yeah. So we're yeah. saving all of them. Get caught. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, extremely selfish when it comes to my straws. What do you mean by that? I hate paper straws oh, so, so much, and I hate I'm myself for not being yeah. able to adapt. That bad. Save, save the earth. I can admit that I'm being a bad person. Or you don't need I'm not, a I'm not straw. saying I'm a good person. Just I can sit. admit just, I suck. Just don't use a straw. I, I'm a plastic straw guy. Yeah. Through and through. Oh, or you can that. get a metal straw and just that. take that around with you and disinfect it. I'm not... I don't know why, but like the idea of just carrying around a straw and just like whipping it out at different times is really, well, it's really odd just... to me. It's really odd to me. I don't... Well, <laughs> and basically, yeah. so you, for example, you go to Quick Trip or Mobile on the Run. So there's literally 150 straws sitting there. If you don't take one, what the hell difference is it going to make? He's right. He's right. I think the point is that you're supposed to cut down on demand so they stop making them. You're supposed to save the turtle. I can't do it myself. That's why I... Save the turtle. You don't want it. They get stuck in their nose. Straws? Yeah. Yeah. That's why that's my tall thing. I've seen a lot of turtles. (laughs) <laughs> and I've never seen one with a straw in its nose. Where are you never, seeing no. the turtles at, right? Like when I ride the Katy Trail. Oh, yeah. there's, there's turtles like a lot in of turtles, oceans. I don't know like those that. are the turtles. <laughs> <that are laughs> <getting straws. laughs> a lot of turtles sleep on the highways in Florida. I don't think those are the same <laughs> turtles. I don't know why, all, all I heard you say that was, I know a lot of things. I know a lot about football. I know a lot about good football teams. Good football teams, Missouri, huh? Oh, jeez. Um, really quickly, I just want to say, I, I hit Randy with a point. That's exactly what it sounded like. I'm sorry, Randy. That's one of my favorite quotes ever from back then. Um, I, I Do you a big 
big one. I'll come to one of your games. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, how about Penn State? How about that Missouri. football team? Um, any, anyhow. Um, football here. <laughs> huh? One of my favorite clips of that entire run by our former president. How about Missouri? Great football teams. Yeah, that was. He did, the same, he did the same thing at Penn State, and it was like, oh, buddy. Um, really quickly, though, I, I hit Randy with a point of parliamentary procedure earlier, yeah, and the te- the textures, or I should say, the Facebook or YouTube commentators, I should say, hit me with it as well, because if you guys noticed, I uh, kept calling them Sporting Kansas today in my updates, yeah. because that's what City calls them. City refuses They're doing it on to purpose. refer to them yeah. as Sporting Kansas City, which is fantastic. If you can take a little shot like that, go ahead and take it, but also, of- but also... On the on the YouTube chat, people were like, "Hey, you're doing it wrong. It's Sporting Kansas City." And I was like, "Or you know, cities or city did it that way, so I'm going to do it that way." And somebody just goes, "Yeah, but city's doing it wrong." I'm like, "Or they know that, they and it's know. on purpose." Yeah. People, I'm not, from, oh yeah, I'm not saying it's uh, people from Kansas City don't like to be called. Oh yeah, I know. Told that oh, they're no, from I, Kansas. I understand why they're doing so it. I just I, wanted to just point tell out them all the time they're from Kansas City, Kansas, and then they just blow up. They they, they combust right in front and, of you. Mm, they they lose it. There's this is one. Most, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. There's one thing. <laughs> doing it on like your personal emails like they send an email and it's like welcoming welcoming Kansas to St. Louis and things like that. It's another thing that when the team is walking out of the tunnel to still say you're starting lineup for Sporting Kansas. Yeah. Like that's going deep into the bit. That's what but I'm saying hilarious. is like that's but I, and I Funny. love it. I'm saying they went all the way 100% the full team bought into the bit. Usually you don't have franchises willing to do that, and that goes back to them with the TIFO, with the you're not in Kansas anymore. The stadium was playing the witch laugh the entire time. And I'm just saying, that kind of coordination and that kind of buying into the rivalry and the fun of it, sometimes it's completely absent from other leagues. And I like that the MLS kind of has this, like, we're not the top, we're not a top four league. Mm-hmm. We got to have some fun with it. And the franchise down at City has accepted the fact that we got to do things a little bit differently than they've been done here before. And I think the, both those things, the, the TIFO, the sound, the calling them Sporting Kansas instead of Sporting Kansas City, buying into the rivalry of your fans, I, I like love it. seeing that from a team. I loved it overall. It was a great job. It's fantastic. I need. I agree. We need more of that. Yeah. Need to talk. They're building up that rivalry. That's what makes sports fun. Uh-huh. Yep. Yes. Rivalry specifically. When you have guys that are. When anytime you can take a dig at your rival, you, you should. Mm-hmm. Now you've seen a lot of teams, a lot of uh, uh, organizations lately with the with the using the app formerly known as Twitter when they type things or tweet things out. It, it's fun and all in good fun, and they have teams going back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's fun when there's a rivalry or you get to pick at another team, an opposing team. Do it. Just be respectful. I love it. And obviously, they got a big win over Kansas City, which I obviously love. Sorry, Kansas. Kansas. Oh, thank you, Kansas. Excuse me. Correct. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Matthew. Kansas. Thank you, Randy. That's our producer, audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio, who uh, is going to try to make it through the day by eating another one of those bags of Luther Burden chips. I like spicy. Spicy don't like me. Okay, got it. I don't uh, think it's that uh, spicy. Brooke, so. tell us about your shirt. Oh, tighten up. Shorts it's from spice. Dana, the wonderful Dana, mm-hmm. and she was able to get me this tighten up shirt. I, 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 she made it. How about that? I got to ask my guy. How about that? Because I think my friend brought that fer- brought that phrase to Tennessee. Did he really? Nate, Nate Washington. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm almost a hundred percent certain. Him and the, the the finger roll that they started calling the Tanner roll. I, I mm-hmm. didn't like that because Nate was the first one to do it, and then Tanner Tanner Hill Tanner Hill Tanner what's his name? Ryan Tannehill. Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill. I know what you're talking about. I didn't that, know who he, he started. Is. Yeah, he started but doing Nate that. Did it first. Yes, and yeah. then Tannehill kind of took it over, and they didn't well, give my guy any uh, 
He's just attention. Yeah. Congratulations yeah. to the Titans. Yes. Let's see if they can continue it so Absolutely. I can be happy. So, and, and it's amazing because you have this association with Dana through the T-shirt. Carrie actually coached her yeah. uh, for the oh, yeah. Louis Slam, right? I did, yes. And then I, I got to know her through the Fathers and Family Support Center. So we, we all know, this is so quintessentially St. Louis, we all know Dana, but for different, different reasons. reasons yep. yeah. Where did she go to high school? I'm just kidding, because that's the other St. Louis joke. (laughs) (laughs) CD, this was fun. Show us your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? T-Mac and Ajax coming up with a balloon party. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Monday, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.